Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Yes, it is Friday, May 31st. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. It's the return of activist Heidi Henry. And we welcome back our good friend and host of the Doris Davenport Show, Doris Davenport. And now, host of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Boy, you live streamers get one hell of a show in this intro. Ben Jarofsky! Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling. I'm sorry. Showdown Friday. And here's why. Focus, Ben. Focus. So today was the day we've been waiting for for a long, long time. Yes, indeed, folks. The Fed finally got around to publicizing their indictment of Alderman Ed Burke on various charges of corruption. I know this, D, because it was the first thing I saw when I hopped out of bed like a little bunny at the ungodly early hour of 9 a.m. Just me and the roosters at that time of day, D. apparently the bunnies. How'd that go again? <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of bed. There I am. Our host, ladies so, and gentlemen. So what's the first thing I did? You know what I did. Went to the front step and got my newspapers. And it was the headlines of both of them. Now, look, guys, I'm trying to be fair, Tribune. Okay? I really am. But once again, <laughs> the Sun-Times annihilated the Tribune in the headline battle of this one. First of all, let's do the Tribune headline. All right, D. You see that one? All right, get a good look at that, listeners. Okay, it says, Burke indicted on raft of Fed graft charges. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was an early wake, wake up. up. <laughs> okay, now here's my beloved bright one. Uh-oh. Fed's new charges label Burke the dot, 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 racket man. Racket man. Come on, D, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's a play on the fact that Rocket Man is about to come out in movie theaters around Chicago, folks. Rocket Man is about Elton John. Racket Man has to deal with the corrupt rackets that Ed Burke was engineering. Get it? Rocket, racket. It's a deep dive, D. All right? It's like poetry in the Sun Times. Come on, Tribune, you got to up your game. Just don't sing the song. <laughs> Rocket Man. Anyway, um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, anyway, so um, when I read the stories and I read both stories, the one in the Trib and the one in the Sometimes I discovered, D, that Chicago had been the scene of a toe-to-toe showdown pitting two powerful forces. In one corner, weighing 250 pounds, wearing his trademark pinstripe suit with a little flower in the lapel, evil Eddie Burke. Ooh. 
Don't go in the basement. <laughs> and in the other corner, the TIFF program. Let me explain. All right. A showdown between evil Eddie Burke and the TIFF program. All right. Eddie Burke is, was, I should say, the most powerful alderman in the Chicago City Council, thanks to a tacit deal that he had negotiated with the last mayor. Was that guy's name, D? You know, the last mayor, the guy who left town, the one who's so smart. Uh, hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, this guy. Take a chill pill, Mark. <laughs> yeah, Mayor Rahm. Oh, I miss you already, Mayor Rahm. No, you don't. <laughs> you know, the smart mayor. Anyway, Mayor Smarty Pants apparently, <laughs> apparently thought it would be a good idea to look the other way while uh, evil Eddie Burke shook down every city vendor and TIF applicant he could find for property tax business because somehow or other, evil Eddie Burke, in addition to being the chairman of the city council finance committee and the alderman from the 14th Ward, had enough time to run a property tax business. He's a busy guy, evil Eddie Burke, all right? So anyway, Rom's like, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Well, meanwhile, Ed, Ed Burke is shaking down all these different, give me your business. Anyway. So, uh, according to the feds, the city was eager to do what Mayor Rahm loves to do, and that's fork over more of your property tax dollars through the TIF program as a handout to a developer to rebuild, in this case, the downtown post office. At the same time, Burke wanted that developer to hire him for his pro- as his property tax lawyer, okay? So, the go-between for this deal was Alderman Danny Solis, who was wearing a wire snitching for the feds. Are you following me, people? This is complicated. This is what happens in your city of Chicago, and yes, you elected Solis, you elected Burke, and you elected Mayor Smarty Pants. Good job, voters. Anyway, by the way, don't blame me. I didn't vote for any of them. I didn't vote for Solis. I didn't vote for Burke, and I certainly didn't vote for Mayor Smarty Pants. All right, so everybody... Chill pill, man. (laughs) Are you following me, everyone? Because here's where it gets even more complicated. All right, according to the Sun-Times... It came down to this exchange. Uh, I think this was in October. October rolled around, and Burke's firm still had not been hired by the developer. So Burke and Solis met in Solis's office with a representative developer who explained the company needed TIF funding. Afterward, when Burke and Solis were alone, Burke, quote, expressed anger that his law firm had not been hired. According to the indictment, Burke allegedly told Solis he was, quote, not fond of the way they've conducted themselves until this point, and as far as I'm concerned, they can go beep themselves. Thank you for cleaning that up. Do you know what the beep word was? Don't get me to do that. It just begins with an F, okay? I'll just tell you that, all right? That's our Alderman Eddie Burke. But remember, he was the one complaining the other day that uh, Lori Lightfoot was not showing enough respect for uh, women when you know in those official proclamations by the city. Oh, that Eddie Burke. But behind the scenes, he's swearing like a sailor. Anyway, so here's the deal. Eddie Burke is letting Danny Solis know that he better tell that developer that that developer, if he wants that TIF money, he's got to hire Eddie Burke's property tax law firm. So now here's the showdown, folks. Mayor Rahm has a decision made to make. Do I shovel more money to a tip, uh, developer who doesn't need it? Or do I let Eddie Burke say no to the deal? Because he's not been hired as the property tax lawyer. See what I mean, folks? It's the fight of the century. Let's get ready to rumble. Who's going to win, Eddie Burke or the TIF program? In the end, D, it was a tie. They both got what they wanted, according to my beloved Bright One. Finally, in August of 2018, Burke apparently left Solisa voicemail in which he confirmed 
a, de- a representative developer had contacted him about hiring his law firm and Solis asked Burke if he would support TIF funding for the post office project and Burke allegedly replied quote absolutely <laughs> and the TIF proposal sailed through Burke's finance committee on September 17th 2018 and the city council on September 20th 2018 how about that Dia just sailed through like a sailor on the seas. Isn't that nice? I love that line. It just sailed through, okay? So there you have it, folks. Everybody wins. Burke wins because he gets property tax uh, business. Solis wins because he was going to get a cut of that business, apparently. The developer wins because he gets TIF handout. Mayor Rahm wins because he gets to brag about how he's rebuilding the loop by throwing money at developers who don't really need it beginning to begin with. In fact, everybody wins except for you, the suckers, who get stuck with the bill. We got a great show today, everybody. Ramana Hussein will be here a Friday. It's Ramana Rundown, uh, Chicago Sun-Times editor. We talk about all the news of the day, and there's a lot of it to talk about. Heidi Henry will be here, our, one of our favorite political activists from the suburbs. She ran for Senate in the uh, District uh, 38 uh, last November, and uh, she is our how would I put this? Ben Jarowski show expert on how Democrats can get votes in Trump country. So look forward to another visit from Heidi Henry. She always uh, says what's on her mind. Speaking of people say who, who, what's on her mind, uh, Doris Davenport, host of the Doris Davenport show, will be here as well in about the 2.30 hour. So that means we'll have a lot of political discussion, politics, politics, politics. But before we get to any of that... Dr. D in the news. Don't go in the basement. (laughs) Evil Eddie Burke. Hey, guys, I'm Dennis. Not a doctor. Okay. Uh, It's the middle of the final day of the week. Bring it, weekend. (laughs) And speaking of, hey, if you're hanging around the house this weekend, cleaning, or if you're traveling on the road or riding your bike or jogging, hey, let the Ben Jarofsky Show tag along with this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. That's right. We've been pretty consistent and delivering three of these lately. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, pre-recorded but brand new interviews. We've done it again, people. Here's our lineup for this weekend. On Saturday, tomorrow, Ben Jarofsky's first Tuesday co-host and longtime pal, ProPublica investigative reporter Mick Dumpke returns. They unpacked the news of the week in the city of Chicago. They hyped up their first Tuesday show this Tuesday at the hideout. 1354 West Wabanzia. And as we were recording the interview, the Ed Burke Racket Man racketeering story broke. Ben, what were your thoughts on your conversation with Mick? Uh, well, Mick and I, uh, we, we wake up in the morning wanting to talk politics, and we pretty much stay in that state all day until we fall asleep. In fact, we probably talk about politics while we're dreaming. So uh, we just continue the conversation. Uh, and yes, folks, you can see us at the hideout. Uh, let's see, Sarah Carp will be there as well from WBEZ, and Alden Lowry also from WBEZ. Two excellent reporters here in the city of Chicago. And then we'll be talking about Rahm's legacy and what to look forward with Lori. Sarah Karp is an expert in education, public education. So she'll talk about Rahm's uh, legacy with the public schools. And you remember Alden Lowry, Mr. Demography, knows more about city population trends. So he'll be talking about the city population trends under Mayor Rahm, who moved out, who moved in, and uh, how policy dictates uh, those kinds of population patterns. So that's what we were uh, have to look forward to on Tuesday. And, oh, my God, we were all over it. We talked about 
Nixon, Trump, Rom, Lori Lightfoot. I think there was some Pritzker talk. Mick Dumkey knows his politics, so it's a good political discussion. And that is Saturday. It'll be our Saturday. Absolutely. Get warmed up for the first Tuesday show this Tuesday by listening to Ben and Mick Dumkey talk politics. That'll be on Saturday at 6 a.m. All right. On to our Sunday download. Now we've yet to record this one, so this could possibly be subject to change. We welcome the brother of one of our favorite guests. He's an Indiana man, and he's going to talk national politics as well as give us his take on South Bend, Indiana mayor, 2020 presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, or as Ben calls him, Buttigieg? <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. His name's Henry Davis, brother of CTU Vice President Stacy Davis-Gates. Ben, what do you plan on asking Henry Well, Gates? we're talking about uh, Peter Buttigieg Hedge and uh, the politics of uh, South Bend and how he interacts with the black community there and what kind of uh, presidential candidate he could possibly be. And uh, just talk in general about uh, Indiana politics and can the Democrats pick up that state? You know, the Dems won Indiana in 2008 with uh, Barack Obama's first run. So uh, really curious if they i mean it just seems like such a long shot but you know we'll see uh how people are uh, thinking in hoosier land so looking forward to that conversation like i said it's yet to be recorded but we're planning on uh, putting that out on sunday once again at 6 a.m that's sunday on to monday Holy crap, what an interview this was. It's owner of the hideout, 1354 West Wabanzia, Timmy T. Tim Tutton. It was a roller coaster. Ben, I'm pretty much speechless after that when it comes to plugging this interview. Why don't you give it a try? Well, Tim Tutton is a force of nature. Once he gets going, he's like a rock going on a hill. He is not stopping. Uh, He has opinions on absolutely everything. And we started off talking about the fight that he uh, led, or he was part of. He doesn't like it when I say he led it. He was part of the fight against the Lincoln Yards development deal. And then we just started talking about... uh, you know, uh, the, the, his days with the public schools. He's also a teacher. And we started talking about Rom uh, and Arnie Duncan and Barack Obama because he worked for Arnie Duncan in Washington. I mean, we just started talking about absolutely everything. Uh, it was a great conversation with Timmy T, who loves to talk. And once again, it's our Benny J bonus interviews. Download only live streamers and YouTubers. Chicago.suntimes.com slash Jarofsky. Chicagoreader.com. The link to the show is at the top of the Chicago Reader page or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Subscribe while you're there. Uh, give us a review. Five stars only. Mick Dumkey and Timmy T, Tim Tutton. <laughs> and also brother of Stacey Davis Gates, one Henry Gates. That is our Saturday bonus Davis. interviews. Davis. What did I say? You said Gates. Oh. It's the Davis part. Oh, I already got in trouble on that one, too, so don't oh, feel yeah. bad. All right. What's well, yeah, that yeah. dyslexia kicking up with me? But uh, anyway. But, boy, they're fantastic interviews. Mm-hmm. Go check them out when they become available. Okay, on to the national news happening this afternoon. Our president, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. announced today that he is placing a 5% tariff on mm-hmm. all Mexican imports. Uh, Trump said the tariff would gradually increase, quote, until the illegal immigration problem is remedied. Mm. Trump has been tweeting since breakfast, arguing that this will cause companies (laughs) to leave Mexico and return to the U.S., and Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez uh, said today that he has sent his foreign secretary to Washington to try and negotiate a a solution. Yeah, all right. Uh, Donald Trump, this is really a continuation of his efforts to vilify uh, immigrants who have come to this country uh, from through Mexico, uh, from all sorts of Central American countries. He's been doing this since he ran. It was successful. I mean, I guess he's doubling down on it. He got him a, it got him the Republican nomination. Somehow or other, it got him the, to be the president of the United States. So I guess he figures it's a winning strategy. That he's going to tie his insane immigration policies, uh, where he's separating families at the border and locking them up in detention 
Republican senators uh, with his trade policies where he just routinely every now and then arbitrarily slaps a tariff on some goods from some country, which is, of course, a tax that has uh, all kinds of implications on businesses and industries in this country. Doesn't think ahead of time what the consequences will be. It's all part of this larger game, Twitter game that he's having. Uh, And then sometimes reverses himself. Sometimes he pulls back. Sometimes he doubles down. He's already waging war against China on this front with a, a tariff war. So, and then that, you know, that led us to spending 16, well, love, love to hear what uh, Heidi Henry has to think about the $16 billion that he suddenly found uh, to subsidize farmers uh, who have been victimized by his tariff war with China. So instead of just trying to think about uh, a rational uh, solution to a very difficult problem or a vexing situation, we have so many people coming in from the southern border, what do we do with, about it? Uh, instead of trying to do that, uh, try to come up with a solution what he's doing is trying to exploit the situation to uh, inflame passions against people who look a little differently uh, than Trump voters and uh, hold on to office. So more politicking by our president in tweet. And other news nationally, 2020 Democratic presidential candidate Elizabeth, I've got a plan for that, Warren. <laughs> wouldn't you know, Ben, today Warren proposed another presidential campaign plan for us to sit and think about over the weekend. On Thursday, remember, she visited ABC's The View and said that if Donald Trump weren't president, mm-hmm. he'd be locked up in handcuffs. Donald Trump did everything he could to derail, stop, halt, obstruct mm-hmm. that investigation. Right. That is a violation of the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he were anyone other than president of the United States, Uh he would be in handcuffs. See, she said it. Yeah, she did say it. She meant it, too. And Senator Elizabeth Warren today said that if elected president, she'll push legislation to reverse the policy that a sitting president may not be charged with a crime. Here's the quote from Warren. Quote, I've got a plan to make sure that no president is above the law. Congress should make it clear that presidents can be indicted for criminal activity, including obstruction of justice. And when I'm president, I'll appoint Justice Department officials who will reverse flawed policies so no president is shielded from criminal accountability. Yes, well, I saw that uh, declaration she made, and I, it, you know, this also is is an issue because Robert Mueller refused to uh, indict uh, President Trump for obstruction of justice, even though he has mountains of evidence uh, that show that uh, Donald Trump did just that and obstructed justice uh, by trying to uh, undercut the investigation into whether Russians were uh, colluding with his administration or with his campaign, I should say, uh, to uh, undercut Hillary Clinton's uh, presidential campaign. It's pretty obvious that the Russians were acting on behalf. Well, everybody agrees that the pre- uh, even the right wingers agree that the the Russians now were acting on behalf uh, of the Trump campaign. Uh, but uh, so anyway, so it's clear that he has obstructed justice, or at least it's clear that there's evidence that he obstructed justice. Mueller refused uh, to indict him because of some policy that goes back to the days of Richard Nixon in the 1970s. I still, you know, I think Mueller plays a role in this, D, because he hasn't been forceful in any way. We made fun of it yesterday. His declarations uh, of what he's up to are so confusing and difficult to follow uh, that it enables Donald Trump to constantly say, I'm innocent. See, I'm innocent. And everybody else is saying, no, that's not what Mueller said. So anyway, I kind of agree with uh, Elizabeth Warren here. We should, you know. I had, I had, like, if a Democratic president is up to no good the way Donald Trump is up to no good, 
uh, that president should be indicted as well. All right, Ben, I got to ask you here uh, with our 2020 presidential candidates. Uh-oh. Aside from that week where you were really into Joe Biden. <laughs> Grandpa. Let's, let's check in on that uh, back and forth, ever flowing flag in our studio. <laughs> and Ben Jarofsky, when it comes to these 2020 presidential candidates, how are you feeling about Elizabeth Warren? Today? Uh, well, I've always been a, a big Elizabeth Warren fan. And uh, the only hesitation I have about her uh, as uh, president is that I think she's such a great senator. So how about that for a compliment? But uh, yeah, I would have no trouble voting for Elizabeth Warren. But you know, I got those loyalties to Bernie. You know, Bernie was there in 2016, long before it was fashionable. Talking about Medicare for all, D. And then, oh God, I'm going to get kicked out. I shouldn't say this. Oh God. I got this fondness for Grandpa Joe. (laughs) Got a fondness for Grandpa Joe. I thought that. Uh, Something about Joe Biden. But right now it's a uh, right now it's a battle or between Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders in my mind. So there you are. Uh, of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. <laughs> Grandpa Joe, it's a weakness. All right, Grandpa Joe lover. We're done with the national news for right. now. We're going to move on. We're going to talk local news. And coming up after this short little break, we are going to find out what else is news. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Hey, playing now at Steppenwolf Theater, the world premiere of Ms. Black for President. It's inspired by the true, that's true as in it really happened, T-R-U-E story of Joan Jett Black, America's first drag queen presidential candidate. You know who created it, D? No. It was created by Tony nominee Tina Landau. Oh. And you know who else created it? No. Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney. You know him, Moonlight. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. For tickets, visit Steppenwolf.org. That's Steppenwolf, like the rock group from the 60s, Hang tight. Today's Ben Jaromsky show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Look at that wonderful piece of architecture. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. It's the time of day where the doctor uh, takes a deep dive into local news. What you got for me, young man? We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for what else is news. And yes, people, a back alley city hall fist fight has (laughs) begun. Ben, watch out. Oh, Oh, my. Uh, The bottles are... Who threw that? Hey, stop it. A battle has begun between 14th Ward Alderman Ed Racketman Burke <laughs> and Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Let's unpack all of this, shall we? All right. So by now, we should all know Alderman Ed Burke's story. Abuser of city power. So much to the point that he was shaking down the Burger King in his ward. And federal agents had to get involved by wiretapping another alderman to get information. Well, we've been waiting for the other shoe to drop in all this. And boy, did it ever. News broke yesterday evening that Burke has officially been indicted and is being charged with racketeering and bribery in a 59-page federal indictment filled with detailed allegations. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times in a collaborative effort here between John Seidel, Tim Novak, Lauren Fitzpatrick, and Fran the Woman Spielman. The Burke indictment revolves around four schemes two of which involve iconic Chicago landmarks, the old post office straddling the Eisenhower Expressway and the Field Museum. In addition to the post office scheme, Burke is accused of trying to block an admission fee 
uh, mission fee hike at the museum, all because he wasn't getting an answer about a museum internship for the daughter of former alderman Terry Gabinski. The indictment also lays out a previously charged shakedown involving, yes, a Burger King at 41st and Pulaski, as well as a scheme charged last month involving developer Charles Cooley's redevelopment project on the northwest side. The article continues. The indictment showcases for the first time the undercover work of the uh, the aforementioned wiretapped former alderman Danny Solis. The, <laughs> the indictment quotes several conversations between Burke and Solis about the old post office developer in which Burke complained, quote, the cash register has not rung yet. He also asked, <laughs> uh, did we land the tuna? <laughs> Huh? Wasn't there somebody else who talked to Tom about the tuna? Who was that that did the tuna? I'm a fisherman. Oh, no, that was, I'm getting all my tuna. That was a, a fight between Rauner and Rom. Remember that? Where Rauner was going to, this is before. I think this is before I had a radio show. Oh, wow. Before I, this is a long time ago. Before you were hired uh, and then yeah. after five. <laughs> I yeah, see. before one of those, yeah. And uh, Rauner was, was pretending he was having a fight with Rom. Those were the days when they were trying to pretend they were fighting, when, of course, they're pals. And he sent him a, he had a press conference at a fish store or some kind of butcher shop. I don't know. He had a tuna fish. And he sent, the, anyway, he sent the tuna fish to Rom. I was sorry. That. Sorry for <laughs> no, that. No, that's tangent. fine. But when you said tuna, I just thought of Rauner and Rom. So once again, the quote from Burke the cash register is not <laughs> rung yet. Oh, yeah. Did we land the tuna? Yeah, did we land the tuna? <laughs> That's just awesome. Huh? Uh, charged along with Burke are his top political aide, ward worker Peter J. Andrews, accused of attempted extortion and lying to the FBI, among other crimes, and developer Cooley, who is accused of bribery and lying to the FBI. Wow. Burke and Andrews are set to be arranged Tuesday. Lawyers for Burke, Andrews, and Cooley either could not be reached or declined to comment. But Ed Burke, but not really Ed Burke, released a statement. Yeah, apparently there's still people willing to work for this guy it's a political aid and boy oh boy just uh listen to how big of a hero they're trying to make burke out to be in this statement here here's the statement on behalf of ed burke for over 50 years ed burke has served the citizens of the 14th ward in the city of chicago honorably and tirelessly <laughs> so funny. the notion that he's tirelessly serving the citizens while running the property tax business trying to land big tuna that's pretty funny and by the way why were you referring he's like referring to himself i am ed burke you know you should say i have done this but ed burke oh so the ed burke's aide is weighing in on this situation that makes it more credible huh well my boss who pays my who makes sure i get a paycheck says i'm a great guy well must be true then right. anyway go back to this riveting statement yeah, yeah i'm gonna add some music to it hold on here. oh cool okay <laughs> His accomplishments on behalf of the community and his constituents are notable, and many. Any suggestion that Alderman Burke abused his position as a public official for personal gain is simply not true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except they got it on the wiretaps. The charges are unfounded and not based on actual evidence. Oh, no. Except for Ed Burke's own words to Danny Solis. We welcome the opportunity to present the complete picture and all the facts to uh, a jury. I'll bet when they'll cut a deal with the feds before it even gets to a jury trial. We are confident that when that happens, uh -huh. Ed Burke will be vindicated. Okay. This statement has been brought uh, to you by the 14th Ward Burger King. <laughs> uh, 
gosh. Anybody believes that? I got some Burger King franchises in the 14th Ward for you. Now, if you were to show that statement from Ed Burke to our newly elected Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, oh, she'd call BS in a heartbeat, buddy. <laughs> she sure would. In fact, soon after the indictment dropped, Mayor Lightfoot took to Twitter requesting Burke resign mm-hmm. as alderman of the 14th Wait, Ward. Wait, she tweeted? She tweets, too. She tweets, too. Oh, my God. Everybody's tweeting I know. Days. Come on, Ben. Get to it. <laughs> All right, here's the tweet from Lightfoot. Alderman Ed Burke can no longer continue to do his job honorably Mm. or effectively. It is in the best interest of all that he steps aside so that the residents of the 14th Ward can be properly represented. All right, well, it's pretty clear that Ed Burke hasn't done his job honorably since, like, forever. Definitely going back to the 80s when he was leading the faction of white aldermen against Harold Washington. Never forget that, folks. I think sometimes the greatest crimes that aldermen commit against the citizenry of Chicago are the ones they never get prosecuted for. So I don't think the word honorable and Ed Burke go in the same sentence. And you know what? Uh, On a very uh, pragmatic uh, situation, Ed Burke is the greatest gift Lori Lightfoot could have ever asked for because absolutely anybody at this stage in the city council who stands up to oppose her will immediately be linked to Ed Burke, who's decided to... uh, deny any credibility, destroy the notion of any credibility given to being an automatic critic of Lori Lightfoot by standing up that first day at the city council meeting and uh, criticizing her. So uh, Ed Burke may be Christmas come early for Lori Lightfoot. I don't know what you're talking about. Based on that statement we were reading. (laughs) Seems all right. Yeah, she's like, I know, because the aide said Ed Burke's great. Ed Burke pays my salary. Ed Burke must be great. And this morning, Mayor Lightfoot doubled down on her request via press conference. I've asked you all here because I wanted to reiterate my call from last night for Ed Burke to resign as alderman of the 14th Ward. We will be sending him a letter um, later this morning to memorialize that request. Let me start out by saying, obviously, Alderman Ed Burke is uh, entitled to an absolute presumption of innocence of the criminal charges. But the standard by which public servants should serve is different. All public servants, particularly elected officials, are rightfully judged by a different set of standards. We all must serve with integrity and legitimacy. And we have to have the moral authority to be able to govern. The superseding indictment doesn't merely allege one-off criminal behavior. The allegations um, as set forth by the U.S. Attorney's Office and the grand jury um, have allegations spanning multiple years, identify multiple schemes, and suggest a standard course of dealing that is absolutely repugnant. Wow, Lori Lightfoot. I, I, I just got finished saying Christmas come early for Lori Lightfoot. This Ed Burke indictment. Uh, he, and to have Ed Burke be the face of city council opposition to Lori Lightfoot is a gift. So I don't know if Lori Lightfoot should really get what she wants and have him step down because once he's not around, it kind of uh, takes away one of her great advantages, which is there would be no credibility to anyone who dares to criticize her because that alderman would be, alderman would be immediately linked to Ed Burke. 
Uh, but I can't say I disagree with anything that Lori Lightfoot said there. Now, people, I've been hitting F5 refresh feverishly for updates on this one. Okay, well, it's an Apple computer, more like Command uh, R. That's the Apple oh, computer version. Wow, you're really and good. It took me a while to figure Zuckerberg. that out. Took me like a week to figure that out. Right, but I've been hitting refresh feverishly for updates on this, and we will bring them to you if any become available during the show. But just like that, you are now in the know of what is going on in Chicago. The Lightfoot Burke battle at City Hall has become gun oh watch out <laughs> holy cow oh, who threw yeah. that look at you burke it's getting tested and now Ed. you'll have an answer the next time someone asks you hey what else is news yeah, well let me tell you something that ed burke and Lori lightfoot agree on what and jesse smollett he also agrees on this as well you did a great job give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash we got romana hussein sitting here yes indeed it's friday time for the romana romana rundown we'll bring her on when we return <laughs> Keeps throwing bottles. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Cirque du Soleil's Big Top comes back to Chicago with its latest show, Volta. Venture into a captivating voyage of discovery inspired by the adventurous spirit of freedom where a surge of action sparks a high-voltage journey. Volta. Playing May 18th through July 6th under the Big Top at Soldier Field. Tickets at CirqueDuSoleil.com. Volta thanks their partners Hennessy Black and Champagne Nicolas Fayette. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. It's Friday. That means it's the Romana Rundown with Romana Hussein. Ben, before editor. you get into the Romana Rundown here, we uh, got to hear from the live stream chat room okay. before we move further. All right. Left wing Limbaugh weighed in and said, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Left wing, <laughs> love that moniker. Left wing Limbaugh yeah. says Ben's love for Grandpa Joe. Joe Biden tells me that progressives will be screwed once again. No, I just have a fondness for him. Left wing, I just a fondness. Can I just have like a passing fondness for him? And uh, uh, our buddy Kyle Young says, uh, "Oh, sorry, I said your last name on there, dude. Sorry, oh, sorry Kyle, Kyle. 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 I'll Kyle. edit it out." Kyle says, "Burke." Uh, this is for, I guess this is Burke saying uh, this. A plea deal, a plea deal. My aldermanic ward for a plea deal. <laughs> and finally. You know what's coming down, Kyle. You're absolutely right. And finally, Stephen weighed in. You know, uh, Burke may be out of there. So, uh, I don't know. Stephen has a good idea here. Uh, Stephen puts uh, sometimes Ben Jarofsky trades frozen steaks and Ramana <laughs> rundown for 14th ward alderman seat. 
I could do a better job than Ed Burke. I'm just saying that right now while running the. At least I wouldn't be shaking down Burger King vendors or Popeyes. Popeyes. Yeah, we're shaking down Popeyes, guys. All right. Anyway, Ramana Hussein is in the studio. So much to talk about. Uh, let's start once again, Ramana. Uh, every it's like every day I send Ramana a picture of my favorite headline in the Sun Times. Once again, you guys. Annihilate the Tribune. Just say the Tribune. Got to up your game. Thank Ram- you. Oh, he talks about these headlines now, all Ramana, the time. Come on now. Just well, say here's the Tribune's headline. Yeah, go ahead, defend the, the you Tribune. You know, the, I'm, I am just being nice because I did grow up reading the Tribune. Um, there were more of a tabloid style paper, and they're they can take themselves more seriously, which is uh, fine. It's fine. It's different styles. Okay, they're more. <laughs> okay, here's the headline. Burke indicted on raft of Fed graft charges. Oh boy, that really jumps at you. And how about this in the bright one? Racket man, who came up with that? That's genius. Well, we have, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure I know who did it. We didn't talk. I didn't remember it being brought up during the meeting. There are a couple of things that we turned, uh, kind of threw threw around, but I'm pretty sure it's the guy in the copy desk because we didn't. Usually, it's sometimes it's like you know one of us, like one of the reporters or editors, and. I should say one of the editors, but um, I think it was somebody in the copy desk. I can find out for you, right, you know, just, for sure. I, I, you know, because they just come up with. I mean, sometimes if we're like stuck, they come up with something. They manage to come up with something. Sometimes people are just throwing things around and. Well, I can tell you. I, I don't know if I told you this last week. It, 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 for the last couple of years, the reader has been asking me to write headlines in my story. I am the worst headline <laughs> writer of all time. I can never think of anything clever. Just my headlines are terrible. Sometimes right? I can think of things that are clever, but it takes a while. But yeah, some of those guys and women in in our meetings, they just like come up with them in like in seconds. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, so Racket Man, great story. And the uh, sometimes you had about four yeah. people. So much deep diving uh, to do here. Just. Just give us some of the basics. It was it. just, um, I, I, from what I understand, it's like it's a federal indictment, kind of expanding on the original indictment that we heard last uh, earlier this year. Criminal complaint. The criminal complaint. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There was racketeering and bribery charges um, against Alderman Burke, saying that he was steering his business, city businesses, legitimate city businesses, towards his uh, private law firms. Mm-hmm. And in this, um, the story, the latest that we got was that they focused on a few um, items. One included the developers. He was trying to get the old developers of the old po- post office site to um, work with his law firm mm-hmm. and then hires law, yeah. law firm and then there was uh, you know questions that Burke was against the rising um, or raising the fees at the field museum because wow. um, they would not uh, they would not answer any questions or give an internship to a former uh, colleague of Burke since uh, the city council uh, Terry Gabinski I believe Alderman Terry Gabinski yeah, his yeah. daughter an internship and then there was a, a question about, um, I think there was more information about the Burger King um, bribery scheme. And then the fourth item, I think, was a development site on the northwest side. Not even in Burke's ward. Yeah. And That's so much- it, 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 and, and so I think with this, this the latest, uh, there was more, um, there was a lot, I think a lot of people were intrigued by the dialogue between mm-hmm. him and his colleague on city council, Danny Solis. Yes. Um, and the comments that they made, you know, you, you know, Alderman Burke is trying to find out whether, you know, he's got the he's got the business of the old, you know, the developers of the old post office site. And I don't know, he's making comments like, did we land the tuna yet? (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know. I'm a child of immigrants. I've never heard of that. Is that is that what is that? Or that could be code. And, you know, I've actually covered um, I've covered a terrorism trial, the Mumbai terrorist case. It was Mm -hmm. a federal case because there were some people um, in Chicago who were tied to that. 
story. And Natasha Karaki, who was our sometimes report, um, great, great federal reporter. courts reporter, she was covering, um, I believe, Bogoyevich. So I was filling in for her and covering that trial. But so they were playing a lot of tapes of these uh, South Asian men who were tied to this plot and the dialogue they were having with the mastermind of the Mumbai terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. And they had code too, but I thought their code was a little more creative. Like well, when they said someone was dying, they're like, oh, that guy got married. But they didn't use any obscure terms that well, you know you wouldn't. You know, it, here's the deal. When uh, people think the feds are listening, they will talk in codes or they will, they like, made up languages. I remember this is years ago, yeah. the El Rukins, uh, the old, uh, well, they went beyond a street gang uh, in the city of Chicago had an elaborate language that they would use and they would have, yeah. they had a tr- uh, interpreter come into the trial. Remember that? Yeah. One? And I, at this trial, we had someone, you know, come in from the FBI and translate, you know, words like getting married means that person died. And then, you know, there was also, um, in that case, there was a Danish cartoon um, plot because there was this cartoon that was offensive to Muslims that was printed in this Danish newspaper. Story, and so yeah. they call that the Mickey Mouse Project because it was involving a cartoon. So you know what I mean? It's like that one I could probably tell what that was about. But it's interesting how people come up with well, I don't know code if, that they might think nobody else will get. I, I, I don't get the tuna I don't, reference. I don't, uh, I don't think that Ed Burke was speaking in code with Danny Solis because he thought by saying, did we land the tuna, that would did confuse we get the deal. The, the, or, yeah. Yeah. I think that was just his idea of clever. Yeah, that's uh, true. Because he was swearing and saying things yeah. like, you know, something about the cash register. I yeah. mean, that's obviously not code. I don't think he's, uh, this is going to take a deeper dive, but I don't think he's as colorful in his language as former Governor Bukoyevich. No, no, I don't think he is. Yeah. I think if you ever saw him, in city council, you kind of just get that immediately that he's, because he's all about prose and, you know, sometimes he'd go off and start saying poetry or, you know, I think. <laughs> yes, he would. And his so, little, so, you know, make, I don't know, speeches. what do you say, limericks? Once, I don't know. I'm probably making that up. But I know he would kind of like, you know, quote literature or, or poetry. And so I can't see, I don't know, not to say that he can't have a colorful language because of that, but just seeing him and. Did we land the tuna? Yeah, I, that's his idea of uh, colorful uh, rhetoric. So yeah, so go ahead. I cut you off. No, no. So I, I don't know. I think it's. I think this is going to get more interesting before this all finishes. So yeah, I might. It's, it's very interesting because everybody, you know, Alderman Burke has always been referred to as the powerful alderman at Burke. And now I think there was one reporter, I think on uh, Facebook was saying that I think people need to s- stress that the once powerful yeah, alderman once Burke. Powerful. So yeah, it's, it's just interesting because I covered city hall um, as a youngster at, at uh, city news bureau and he was there. And even then, even when I was, I still think I'm a novice some days, but what, you know, I could even tell that this guy has a lot of power and people listen to what he has to say and whatever he says goes. So, well, my, uh, one of my central accusations against just the way people operate in the city of Chicago in general is they look the other way at what's obviously uh, what they see as evidence of corruption and the Sun-Times story and the Tribune story as well. Uh, if, if, even if the headline was weak, it was a pretty good article in the Tribune. I got to give their reporters credit. Uh, but they're good uh, reporters. Yeah, they're good reporters. <laughs> you can't help it. They don't write the headlines. Uh, but anyway, um, both papers point out uh, the second scandal. We've been, I've, I've talked a lot today about uh, the first scandal where he was uh, trying to uh, exchange his 
approval on a TIF deal. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, the TIFs, yeah. which you were probably excited about. Yeah, I was very excited. Right. Wow, <laughs> TIFs in the story. <laughs> TIFs, that's what I was going to say. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention the TIFs. They were mentioned a couple of times. Yeah, like anytime a TIF is mentioned, I'm so happy. But um, anyway, so uh, it, it, going back to the Field Museum scandal, where uh, former Alderman Terry Kabinsky, the 32nd Ward's daughter, was applying for an internship at the Field Museum, and uh, they were shaking down effectively trying to swap uh approval for a uh admissions fee hike at the field museum for internship for this other alderman star people know you know that happens yeah of course i mean it happens in our profession Let's yeah, but be, I don't think anybody shakes down. No, nobody's shaking anybody down. Yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean? People definitely, there are people who get pulled. That's in every profession, right? But not to say that, yeah, there's no bribery. Okay, but, you know, yeah. There's, there's nepotism, yeah. I guess. No. Or, you know, favoritism. Uh I mean, all the time. I don't even know if. It's, listen, people get recommendations. That's not what I'm complaining yeah. about. But the notion yeah, that yeah. they would I know not hire an they were intern, not, in, if, let's say. And, they, they actually, they actually gave Alderman Burke a, a, a message that said, you know, she's welcome to apply for a job here. So it's not like, you know, I don't know why he, you know, they wanted her to do an yeah. internship. That's no, but, like but, I had to, it's a, no, but it, it is, it is, but I, my part, I'm not shocked. No, but here, but here, here's the thing. And this is, this is what gripes me the most, Romana. Uh, it's, it's, it's like all the movers and shakers in Chicago know what's going on. Of course. The people at the Field Museum know how the deal of goes course. down. And yet, no one says a word. No. No, you you're right. It, and it's going to happen again. It's not like it's going to stop with Ed Burke. This is probably happening with other individuals as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see. We'll see how if it does stop. I'm with you on that one. I don't think it's going to stop anytime uh, soon. By the way, another good thing about having reporters, we talked about this last week, Mm -hmm. who've been around for a while and uh, covered things and have long memories. I got to give credit to, I think it was you guys, the Sun Times had this one, linking Ed Burke's aide, this gentleman, Andrews. Oh, yeah. uh, 15 years ago, Andrews' wife was listed as a co owner. Hired truck. Hired truck as the largest female owned trucking company in the city's scandal plague hire truck program i presume uh, ace uh, investigative reporter tim novak added that to uh he, to the story. he probably i'm sure i i if i'm not wrong i'm pretty sure tim novak did the hire truck stories oh yeah he was yeah. part of that so anyway good coverage in both papers i urge everybody who wants to see what's how their city of chicago really operates to check them out all right we have it's uh romana we cannot let you leave without a smollett gate update uh I actually I, I actually the reporter who covers a lot of jesse smollett's uh case or the matters just updated his story and he texted me right why it was when i came in here and he told me updated the story i'm like you're gonna have to talk to the other editors because i'm i told him i was going to your show and i said you have to let other people know but i already did the original story the latest and the case that happened today i can tell you is that sheila o'brien the retired judge who wants a special prosecutor hired um to investigate how state's attorneys kim fox's office handled the jesse smollett case you know as we all know the charges were dropped um basically the judge today it was like a two-hour hearing i think the judge was berating her a lot and draw you know basically rejected a lot of her motions but he the judge was berating sheila o'brien yeah sheila o'brien and she he basically set a june 21st date for when he's going to decide for deciding whether or not he's going to have a special prosecutor now we already know that there is a special prosecutor looking into this matter an independent special prosecutor or independent investigator should say not special prosecutor independent investigator um Patrick Blanchard mm-hmm. looking at into this case and how it was handled on the county side. So there is an investigation underway. This 
retired judge wants a special prosecutor to look into this case. So she's been, she's kind of been going at it like every day almost like there's a new motion. So that's what happened today. But then yesterday, so earlier in the week, I can go back to earlier in the week, Tina Chen, the chief of staff of former first lady, Michelle Obama responded to Sheila O'Brien's subpoena for her to come and um, testify. Now, Tina Chen was an individual that had called Kim Fox. I think Tina Chen knows a relative of Jesse Smollett, or I don't know if she knows Jesse Smollett, but when Jesse Smollett um, had said that he was a victim of a hate crime and he was considered a victim, she called Kim Fox and talked to her about it and got her connected to a relative, I believe. So Tina Chen is saying that, you know, Sheila O'Brien has no, like, you know, she's not a, she's not a judge anymore. She can't force her to come. And so she's basically just responding to the subpoena that she issued. So that happened earlier the week. Then yesterday, uh, the Chicago police, because last week, the um, the, uh, another judge who had handled the Smollett case, the actual Smollett, I know there's a lot of players involved in this all over the place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's also uh, in federal court, the brothers that Jesse Smollett allegedly hire to stage the attack they they filed a lawsuit yeah. so there's like stuff happening in federal court and the county level <laughs> like you know it's it's all over the place so um yesterday the chicago police basically what happened is when jesse smollett's charges were dropped the judge um sealed the files jesse smollett's files they were ordered release last week because the media hired lawyers and they argued why it was important and the police cited the sealing of the records as reasons why they couldn't give additional information about the case or additional records about the case so now that that was unsealed the police responded and gave like 491 pages of documents a lot of the documents were things that we knew i know a lot of people like the um colorful color colorful exchanges that jesse smollett had with these two um brothers um that he had hired a lot of it was like i guess they got procured drugs for him so a lot of people have been talking about that but we kind of knew that and you know that's just more of the salacious information the one thing that we found interesting was that on the last page of the third document that we got it was 400 page 491 Mm. was that um a state, an assistant state's attorney had told the police a month before the dry charges were dropped that, hey, we're going to ask him to pay $10,000, his $10,000 bond back, and we're going to make him do community service. But that's all it said. So we're assuming, and the, she told this to police. That's mm-hmm. what it said in the documents. The, the, the she being this, this an assistant state's attorney. attorney. Her mm-hmm. name is Risa Lanier, or Lisa, mm-hmm. I think it's Risa Lanier. But mm-hmm. um, so... From what we could say, there was nothing in the file saying that the charges were going to drop. I don't even think charges had been filed at that point. So I think police were under the assumption from what we could see in the records. I mean, we can't assume what police said, but it just said that this is what we're going to do. We're going to. So they probably thought it was going to be some sort of plea deal. But as we know, the charges were dropped. So it was interesting that, you know, the assistant state's attorney had already been started talking about what we're going to make Jesse Smollett do. But there was no indication in the in that you know the records that we saw that police were told that you know we're going to charge them and charges are going to be dropped well so the, that's the, kind of interesting i think no it's it, interesting and it. yeah so that gets what you just uh, relayed to me which i hadn't read uh it gets to the notion that this was just handled poorly by kim fox's office as opposed to something more scandalous than that that this was just well the question is 
were they holding back information that they're going to charge him and then drop the charges? That's what the question is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think police just said, you know, everybody agrees that this is not the crime of the century. I think people from all sides. I think it's just what exactly happened and was this proper procedural? Well, and this and that's an interesting action. point. It, everybody agrees it's not the crime of the century. I think absolutely everyone, including Sheila O'Brien. I hope she would agree to that. Too. I hope so too. Although she spent quite a bit of time yes. on it. Um, so why has it just fastened on to uh, I th- the public's imagination, and why is it? continuing to reverberate legally uh, if we all agree that it's not the crime of the century well i think well i think there's a lot of reporters or a lot of reporters would say is you know was there impropriety in this case was there any favoritism like because and even lawyers will tell you like this isn't the way most cases are handled Mm -hmm. and so i think that's the question like it's not the actual case itself or Jesse Smollett but obviously there's there's intrigue because it involves an actor and you know especially in this day and age you know he mentioned that he was attacked by true Trump supporters and you know they you know he's a gay black man and they made racial racist comments they made homophobic comments so it has all these elements that Mm -hmm. are people are interested I mean I, I know some people think that we should just drop it nobody should talk about it anymore but I I personally as a reporter, I don't think that's the yeah, right no, answer. Yeah, no, I disagree with that completely. And, yeah. but, and, then, and then you have people on the other end who are just waiting for something to criticize Kim Fox. So there's so many different well, that's angles the part, to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and then Donald Trump, of course, it's, it's uh, a oh, useful Oh, yeah, I mean, am- he weighed in on this case, too. Yeah, so. it's useful, useful ammunition uh, for him to say you know, how corrupt Chicago or how anti-Trump. Yes, of course. How he's picked on. Uh, and I'm really curious how this Tina Chen aspect, because that's the part that's always intrigued me, uh, I have to admit. You know, the notion, you, it gets back to what we were just talking about. The Field Museum getting a call saying that if you that, hire... That's exactly it. The men, that mentality in Chicago. So I know a lot of people who don't like Ed Burke might like Kim Fox. And they're they're like, oh, they're applauding the stuff that's having to Burke. But when it's Kim Fox, they're like, oh, who cares? We should care about other things. This is, doesn't matter. And I'm like, that's, I don't know. Personally, I think that's the wrong attitude. Because I think everybody should be held accountable, even if you like them. Yeah. You know, well, there's principles that we alleged. Yeah, and that's what I feel like people are okay with, like, you know, okay, if it's someone I dislike and they do something corrupt, hey, let's fry them. And and then if it's somebody they like and they do something that's corrupt, they're like, who cares? Everybody does it. And like, do we let's let's just go on with our lives. You know what? Not the biggest case. And and I think it also this is notion uh, following on this one, Romana, this like you don't have this because you're you're a reporter, you're an editor, you're part of like a system that watches it. But if you're a player in the larger struggle, you're always viewing of the larger struggle. And so a case that exposes a weakness, let's say of president Trump, uh, that, uh, you're going to want to dismiss it because you want Donald Trump in power longer to do the things you want. So that's why you'll see like John Cass of the tribune defending Trump, dismissing, uh, the accusations against Trump. Yeah, it's nothing new. Yeah. Democrats do it too because he wants Trump in. So, you know, he yeah. tax breaks, whatever. So then you go to the people who love Kim Fox's um, position on uh, justice and how we and have fine, yeah. alternative sensing. She they is. don't want anything that would blemish her record. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. But I'm just saying, I think everybody, as someone who's, you know, 
all about, you know, reporters all about being the watchdog of like the public. I mean, you're supposed to at least I think politicians and elected officials have to answer yeah. to their actions. And I also think supporters of both factions should have a principle that they believe in. Exactly. In, in other words, do well, you, you see a lot of Trump supporters and they defend things that they would never let Obama get away with. I mean, I honestly think Obama would have been impeached by now, you know, with, oh, with the things that Trump gets away with and says. It's just amazing. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with you on that point. Oh, my God. There's so many other things on my list to talk <laughs> no, to you no, about. We can keep talking. We can keep talking about this. Uh, but this is something, a, uh, a point where I scroll this Asian American <laughs> month. I don't even know why I scrawled it anymore. But it, I is, wrote, it is Asian American. Okay, month. that's why I scrawled it. It's June tomorrow. So okay, so it's there. done. So. I was going to say there's well, there's a lot of um, I think a lot of Asian American uh, art that's been talked about. I mean, I follow a lot of Asian Americans on Twitter, so I know that there's this new movie called I know we talk about movies. Uh, There's this movie called Always Be My Maybe. And it's like it's a rom-com and it's on a Netflix. I'm sure I'm going to watch it. Um, Ellie Wong is this. um, I I believe she's Korean American. I could be wrong, but um, she's a a comedian. She's hilarious. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I've seen some of her stuff. So she taught, you know, she's she's done a lot of stand-ups while she was pregnant. She's talked about motherhood, and she's so she's She's in this pretty out there. Yeah, so she's in this rom-com. She's she plays a chef, and she's and and I think it's all all Asian cast pretty much. And, you know, Keanu Reeves has a cameo appearance in it. And, you know, Keanu Reeves is part Asian. So everybody's been, all all the Asians have been talking about this movie. I think it got pretty good reviews, but it's a rom-com. And the, the, the other guy in the movie um, who plays like her opposite is her childhood friend who they hung out with, but then they had a following, falling out with, and they meet later in the years. And he works for his dad, like an air conditioning company, but he's, he's an actor from fresh off the boat which I don't know if you've seen that sitcom. I've never seen it, but I heard it's good. I've, I've just heard about it, read about it, yeah. So, well, anyway, it's Asian American Month, so I recommend you watch that I'm going to watch that movie. That'll be my assignment. So, uh, this week, I'm going to go see... Um, Ma? I was, no, no, well, okay, where, where's uh, Leah? Leah, <laughs> she just left to get our next guest, I think, but uh, uh, Leah, we'll be seeing Ma as soon as the show is over. She'll be going to the matinee to see it. Uh, Leah, uh, the... Inter, uh, the New York the, Times, I read their uh, review about it. They said that Octavia Spencer's great. Did they say it was a hokey movie? They said it's a little like, you know, it kind of makes you laugh and for some parts and, you know, um, it's supposed to be like I was talking about this with a colleague of mine and it is supposed to be some sort of like it's throwing the whole mammy caricature on its head Uh because, you know, here's this um, African-American woman like taking care of these like you know white kids in yeah. a way and then you know they kind of turn on her and then she turns on yeah, them yeah. and but it, I, I don't know I, I i still think it just seems so hokey okay. it just made me crack up and i don't know if you saw book smart yet but that's I, the next oh, now one that's the one i'm going to see tomorrow but i'm going to watch your movie tonight i'm going to it's on netflix yeah even i have netflix yeah so i'm going to watch i should that tell tonight. you well since we're talking about asian American, well this is asian but have you ever seen sacred games no sacred games is based on this indian novel and it actually was a huge hit um, last year. I mean, it got great reviews. I think you'd like it. It's about police corruption and kind of talks about modern day India and it's police corruption and about a gangster and 
I made my husband Mick watch it and he ended up loving it. So he, it's a second season hasn't come out yet, but they've already teased it on trailers. Oh, it's and a TV show. It's a TV show. It's okay. on Netflix. It's called right. Sacred Games. Right, I wrote that down. But there was a reason. No, there was. <laughs> oh, a talking re- about Asians Asian and American, how we're a, Yeah. Nobody cares. That's what I'm saying. You didn't know it's Asian American Month. No, I did know it was Asian American Month because I, I booked a guest <laughs> to talk about it next I, week. I complain about this all the time. But we're there was a, a specific reason I wrote it down. And that's oh, a, because I said that progressive white people don't yeah. care. Yes, that's That's true. That's totally true. (laughs) I think, well, I think being Asian is a very tricky thing in this day and age because, um, well, I told you, I read uh, WBZ did this piece on Amea Pawar, and he was talking about, well, basically the lead was he was the first Asian American city council member and now the last. And then he kind of talked about how being an Asian American in city council was kind of hard mm-hmm. and he said you know even the people who talk about um intersectionality they don't want to hear the asian american experience they're not interested and i think that's totally true because and you know and he said a lot of people would say like well you guys are fine you guys are the asian american community you, you have a lot of money and that's actually not true i mean i would as an indian american i know indian americans are supposed to be the most successful minority and even at census data shows but doesn't mean like every single south asian or indian or like pakistani has all this money yeah. so and there's so many different groups and so i thought the articles were really interesting i think you should look it up and then they did another one about just this week they did one on poli- politics and it kind of like flared out from the amea article we're actually a growing population yeah. but nobody really cares about what you have to think i'm just saying it's well like, this is a whole other story. i, I want to bring Amaya on to have a, a deeper dive of my own with him on this topic uh because Amaya Pawar was elected uh, alderman of the 47th ward i live in the 47th ward and there's uh, it's an overwhelmingly white ward yeah it, it, it talks about that yeah and so. uh, i was really curious what he thinks about it and then of course um you know, he ran as uh, a progressive who was going to uh, champion progressive causes. And that first year was a little rough between me and Amaya because uh, he went to the ROM side of things uh, that first year. And he, well, he, he talks a little bit about that. And look, I'll send, I'll send you a link to the article. All right. Okay, I think uh, you'll find it very interesting. But that's a that's a reoccurring theme of all mine. All right. So, so uh, Romana Hussein, the Romana Rundown, uh, Heidi Henry's in the, in the studio. We're going to bring her on. But Lee, I just want to say that Romana has given you permission to go see Ma <laughs> at four o'clock, okay? So you're- You can re- tell me how you liked it, Leah. Yeah, she, so. she's gonna report back for us on Tuesday. I'm not gonna be able to see Ma this week, I'll see it next week. Uh, you can let me, you can uh, give me a review Yeah, but then I'm, if I'm gonna watch Always- Be My uh, Maybe. Be my, my Maybe and Sacred Games, you have to watch Ma. We're gonna okay, I will. How, there'll, there'll be a deal. <laughs> Chicago deal. All right, that's Romana Hussein. It's the Romana Rundown every Friday on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Romana, have a great weekend. We'll see you, you next week, all right? Heidi Henry, our uh, favorite state senatorial candidate from the Burbs, is in the studio. We're going to bring her on after this. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. 
Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by the Northwestern Summer Writers Conference. Now in its 15th year, the three-day conference held in Chicago features a diverse array of workshops, speakers, discussions, and readings. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash writers. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, May 31st is just moments away. But before we get into that, we would like to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and bringing back the Ben Jarofsky show. First up, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A big thank you to, uh, to those unions for jumping on board and bringing back the Ben Jarofsky Show. And, of course, today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Friday, May 31st. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it's the return of our good friend Heidi Henry, and we welcome back another good friend and host of the Doris Davenport Show, 
Doris Davenport. And now your host, host of the Ben Jarofsky Show, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. I've been interviewing Heidi Henry for about a year now, it seems like. And uh, the last time she it was back in the old days when I was on a radio and then she came to the podcast. And when she's done with the podcast, people are saying, bring that lady back, <laughs> the horse lady, because <laughs> uh, she trains horses or breaks horses, whatever the saying is. Uh, an interesting perspective that Heidi uh, brings uh, to the show and to politics in general. She is a New Deal Democrat uh, in the era of Donald Trump, uh, living in the hinterlands. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, the boonies? Is that what you Well, we either with? call it the heartland of Illinois heartland. or the... Or the hinterlands of Illinois. Oh, yeah. well, those sounded way better than the boonies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she, uh, God bless her, man. She ran as a New Deal Democrat in Trump land. Did pretty good uh, in the race for state Senate last November. So we got Heidi and a mystery guest. Wait, you're kidding me. Did yeah. you say we have a, uh, hold on a second, a, uh, yeah, uh, we have a, a mystery guest? Yeah. Who could the mystery guest be? Oh, my. I didn't just come alone. She says, I'm coming from the hinterlands. I'm bringing a mystery guest. So we got a mystery guest in the oh. studio. We're going to find out who it is in a little while. But you got an update for us, young man? Absolutely, I do. Who will the mystery guest be? Oh, my. All right, better turn that down before we get copywritten. All right, here we go. Um, yeah. Right now, posted on both Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook and Twitter pages, at Benny J Show, J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Uh, it's this, oh, and uh, in this week's Chicago Reader and at ChicagoReader.com, it's the latest Chicago Reader column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. The article is titled, Going to the Source. Ben Jarofsky, what the hell is your reader column all about all this right. week? All uh, right, I've been talking obsessively about this all week, and it was, for the reader, it's a special issue, the books and comic issue. Here it is. Uh, and so they asked me to write something related to books or comics. Oh. And I said, well, I just read Seymour uh, Hersh's memoir of his years and years as an investigative reporter. And Heidi Henry, you would love Seymour uh, Hersh. He's a little ahead of, before your time. Investigative reporter extraordinaire uncovered so much evidence of just government waste, uh, bad behavior by powerful presidents going back to the Nixon days, through the Reagan years, into the Bush years, Obama, Clinton, he's by, he goes after both, Republican and Democrats, and there's a lot of, what I uh, zero in on are the, the tools of the trade as a journalist that Seymour Hersh talks about and how uh, you know other wannabe uh, investigative reporters can learn some of the tricks of the trade, including he reads back to sources now. Heidi, you must have done a lot of interviews when you were running for office, right? Yes. Do, have you ever had a reporter who reads back to you the quotes he or she takes from you? Not too often. Once in a while I did. Um, you know, I'd have people who would come up, because largely I was an unknown quantity. You know, you could find quotes from me in the paper. I, I wrote for our local paper um, silly animal stories from my farm. <laughs> yeah, silly animal stories. <laughs> I know, animal stories. Anyway, something from my youth. Um, but, yeah, usually if they came up with something, it was, you know, a farm quote. And 
the problem with that is that I don't for, farm grains anymore. So that's been, that's decades ago. <laughs> uh, well, so they didn't read back quotes. It's a, a practice that I've been doing since the 90s. And I used to get mocked by the journalistic experts. Don't read back a quote. You never read back. Anyway, I was delighted to see that Seymour Hirsch reads back quotes. Uh, yes. It's a way of testing the accuracy. The fear that journalists have, I talked about this with Mick Dumkey, the fear that journalists have is that they read a quote back to somebody They'll say, oh, I didn't say that when they really mean I don't want to be quoted as saying that, even though they did say it. But see, when we're doing this stuff live on a podcast, it's like there's no off the record. You said it or you didn't say it. Hey, and if I said it, I probably meant it. You know, I I don't have a whole lot of filter, which is kind of a problem sometimes. You know, (laughs) Uh, Well, it works to your advantage and your disadvantage at different times. So anyway, D, that's what I wrote about. So go check it out at both Ben Jarofsky Facebook and Twitter pages at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. It's also at the Chicago Reader this week and at ChicagoReader.com. Who knows next week, maybe he'll talk about Aquaman. I don't know. Maybe, (laughs) maybe not. He didn't talk about comics this week. Maybe next week we'll get a little uh, Aquaman uh, talk, but Go check it out. I have a feeling, uh, to quote uh, John Lennon, I will be talking, writing about uh, Ed Burke, uh, Mayor Lightfoot, Mayor Rahm, oh, yeah. and the ongoing... Not sleep. Aquaman, guys. <laughs> Not Aquaman next week. I got a feeling that Ed Burke deal, I'm going to take a deep dive in that. All right. Uh, Heidi Henry, the pride and joy of uh, the 38th State Senate District. You ran in <laughs> November. Uh, you have a mystery guest, so why don't you do. introduce your mystery guest? So my mystery guest and I met... In in Ladd, Illinois, and if you know Ladd, you would know Rip's Chicken, which is legendary. No, I, I, I love chicken. It's it's awesome. What's it called? Rips. I am. I'm going out there right now. It's, it's R.I.P. After R. I. P. the show. Oh, yeah, right after the show. I love chicken, Heidi. You know, when I come to Chicago, I want to go to Harold's, right? Because you can't get Harold's out by me. Yeah. And um, but people from here go out to Rips. They fried chicken. Yeah. Yeah. So you told me about rips. I'm going out to the 38th district like three times last election cycle. Yeah, and I know you didn't where to go far enough west. Uh, so. oh, where's okay? Excuse my utter ignorance about anything having to do with Illinois geography outside of the city. <laughs> he of just Chicago. knows that one road, Higgins. <laughs> Higgins. <laughs> That's Higgins Road. Where's okay? So you got to go further west. So tell folks where rips is. Let's so the furthest west you went was Morris. So. Okay. As it go, you know, because the 38th runs the I-80 corridor. So you go from Morris to Ottawa to LaSalle, Peru to Ladd, Illinois. And, and it's right by Spring Valley. So, you know. Did you know any of this, D? <laughs> no, I did not. Okay, he's from downstate. Didn't know anything. Higgins, <laughs> Higgins, Higgins. Uh, So, okay, uh, Rips is on. Uh, it's in land. It's in land. Okay. And Murray and I were both canvassing. Wait, did you introduce her already? Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. The mystery guest. <laughs> the mystery guest. Yeah. <laughs> and I were both canvassing in land. Okay. And I noticed that wherever I went canvassing, there was always this red Durango. In this blonde woman, like across the street from me. So it turns out we were both running for office and we both needed to collect signatures. Now, if you know any of my backstory, I ran in two House races and a Senate race in the same cycle. Mm. You're a glutton for punishment. Well, it's it's because I had we had a redistricting issue right. I wasn't aware of. And then, you know, one thing led to another and, and there I was. So I was canvassing for signatures to get on the ballot for the third time. And Murray was... I'm sorry, mystery guest yeah, was doing yeah. the same thing. <laughs> so we decided and went over across the street and inter- introduced myself. And we'd run into each other at different events. And we decided to um, to go ahead and 
and work together. I would carry hers or she would carry mine and we get twice as much done. Mm-hmm. So so that's it. So now introduce your mystery guest. So my mystery guest is Murray Briel and um, she is uh, ran for the 16th congressional mm. race. So there was four people in that race and I think she was third and it was... Um, an amazingly difficult primary for her. I was heavily involved with Indivisible out in my area at that time and had to plan different events for the four candidates and try to stay neutral. But Marie and I had become really good friends and I'd also become really good friends with Neil Muhammad, who was on here a few weeks ago. Yeah, uh, all right, well, Murray, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And uh, I have to say this about Neil Muhammad. Yes, so this is the 16th Congressional District, folks. Uh, Adam Kinzinger, the uh, Republican incumbent, uh, was viewed as unbeatable, but the Democrats, there was so much fervor, anti-Trump fervor, it was a very crowded Democratic primary. I've gotten to know three of the candidates. Well, I know two of them now, meeting a third, uh, Sarah Dady, who was victorious and ran against um, uh, Kinzinger. And Neil Muhammad, who finished second, did he? Second. Think? Neil Muhammad is a. This guy's the real deal. He came on the show about a month ago, I want to say. You you helped broker that. Right, right. And he, we just did, this guy is so smart. We just went down uh, all the healthcare policies mm-hmm. of all the different candidates, all the different options that Democrats, I urge anybody, not now, because you're listening to this interview, but check it out. It's it's on our site, the Neil Muhammad interview. And we're going to bring him back, because we're going to talk about, like, tariff policies and oh, yeah. uh, you know because the guy can really do Neil the deep is dive. very experienced he's a great guy good personality he and I became friends yeah we were adversaries because we were the two progressives on during the primary but we were able to keep it n- friendly friendly thank you yeah. I didn't want to it was like two friends running in support of one another yeah and you know, here's me going, man. They're both of both my friends, mm-hmm. and I I just love both of them so much. But yeah, Neil is your guy for a deep dive on just about any topic because he's a Jeopardy guy, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's really smart. Yeah. All right. Now let's get into some of the issues. Whenever Heidi comes on the show, uh, Marie, I like to ask her for her opinions on some of the issues. Uh, we have such a Chicago focus. Heidi's always pointing that out to me. Uh, we have such a Chicago focus because obviously I'm from Chicago. We we. Uh, they do these interviews in Chicago. So many of my guests, like the great Doris Davenport, who will be on really soon, uh, are, are other Chicago residents. And I always want to know how the issues that we talk about are playing in Trump land, because your your district did go, your area did go for Donald Trump. Yes. Uh, and so I guess the, the number one thing I want to, there's a whole list, litany of things here, uh, has to do with the abortion bill that's right now, it I believe it passed the House, and now it's in the Senate, and Pritzker says he's going to sign it. Fascinating article. I urge everybody to read it uh, in the New York Times today by a guy named Rob Schneck is his name, and he was a leader of the anti-abortion movement uh, for 30 years. The lead is, for more than 30 years, I worked to overturn Roe v. Wade. As an evangelical minister, I was deeply engaged in the world of the religious right, beginning with my vote for Ronald Reagan, et cetera, and so forth. He's still very much an opponent of abortion, but he says that he can no longer support a reversal of the uh, Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court because the conservatives following this, while they are articulating the need that every woman carry every pregnancy to birth, are doing absolutely nothing to help poor women who right. give Hasn't birth. has been the argument all along? My husband and I don't call it uh, pro-life, we call it pro-birth. 
because those that advocate for it are the ones that the moment the child is born, the mother is um, a hussy, the kid has no hope, where's the husband, I'm not paying for it, the social programs they won't provide, the assistance for education. This has been a constant theme, so it's nothing new. We have, um, you know, we've noticed that since I was a child, and I have to tell you, when I was little, we used to have this show on on WGN called uh, romper room mm-hmm. and the teacher in romper room suddenly disappeared and she disappeared because she needed a midterm abortion for health reasons and they would not allow her back on the show so my that was the first time I had an abortion discussion with my mother who was an OBGYN nurse and it probably was four so even then I understood it was a medical procedure the problem that we have is the legislation that's passed largely in the south and then Ohio and we have a new bill in Louisiana that's being was written by a Democrat Democratic. and is going to be signed by a Democratic governor and the problem with this is which that state is that Louisiana. Is Louisiana. Louisiana so the thing is is it's control of an entire gender. This is not about abortion. This is about control. Women are now a super majority. We were always going to be. We were always catching up, you know, in the population. Now we will be the super majority. If they can control our reproductive rights, they control us. And in some of these bills, people who've had miscarriages, multiple miscarriages like myself, could end up in in prison. I had a very difficult time having children. It wasn't anything that I did. It was who I was it was imagine for a second that you are a woman and yeah you're carrying a child (laughs) you've Mm -hmm. tried for a long time to have a baby and you lose it and you lose another and you lose another yeah and the third time because of these laws now police are investigating you and deciding whether or not you did anything Mm -hmm. to cause that and there's no factual basis for it there's no scientific evidence for it it's ridiculous but, but for me my line of work being a horse trainer now i was always very cautious when we were trying to get pregnant or when i thought i was pregnant a lot of times i would have a miscarriage before i really actually knew i was pregnant but there's as a woman you you know that it's something more major going on than just that time of the month right so what would happen is I would take precautions because we had tried, our, my kids are eight years apart, and, you know, not because we just couldn't get them any closer. And, um, but even, even then, uh, you know, these laws are being written by and large by men that don't have the plumbing that we have to deal with every, all of our lives. And again, I don't feel it is an abortion issue. I really do feel it is a gender control issue. And no gender that doesn't have autonomous rights over their body is not free. All right, now, when you talk like this to constituents in your district, generally, what is the reaction? Well, you know, in Ottawa, Illinois, we had a, a a rally for the RHA. It lasted two days. RHA, Reproductive Health Act. Mm-hmm. Right. So we do have a Planned Parenthood in Ottawa. It does not do abortions. It, it does other every other service imaginable. I had two of my friends whose cancers were diagnosed there. And the thing is, is that we had we had some handmaidens. You had people like me in, in their pink hat because I don't own anything red. Your cowbell. <laughs> so, and my cowbell. I always have my cowbell with me because the suffragettes also carried a bell to block out detractors and to annoy their detractors. So I always, everybody knows it, if there's a, a protest and there's a cowbell, it's Heidi Henry that has that bell. <laughs> so it's true. Just, and it, well, because you get... I've never seen the bell. Oh, you have to see the bell. You have to bring the bell next time you come <laughs> to Chicago. So, 
Yeah, I will. There's a song, Ring My Bell. I know. And we have a guest who brings a bike bell. Bike so. bell. So, yeah, you oh, bring yeah. a cowbell. Yeah. yeah. So, but the thing is, is that when we talk about the issues out there, we know 70% of the people of the United States believe that abortion has, should not be legislated in any manner. We know that that's a fact. And out by me, I know that a majority of people support women's rights, women's reproductive health rights. Mm-hmm. We also know, and this is a conversation I had when I was running and even before as an activist, that women who have unfettered, that means easy access to um, health care, reproductive health care, family planning, counseling, that's something that's never discussed in school. How, when can you afford to have a child? When is the right time? Mm-hmm. And birth control, if she wants it, if it works within her religious beliefs or health, you know, health needs, when they have that, abortion rates plummet. And we've seen the results of that from the ACA in any state that has taken the Medicaid expansion. We have seen the results of that. Now we have um, in St. Louis, the only Planned Parenthood in Missouri. Mm-hmm is about to be closed. All that does is people like my two friends that were di- diagnosed with cancer, I have another male friend that was had his STD, was diagnosed there. Um, all that means is that they don't have that care. You know, it's terrible. The, the Planned Parenthood clinic in, in Ottawa that doesn't perform abortions has people standing in front of it praying the rosary. And it's on a it's in a um, storefront. Downtown kids activities, yeah. dance studio, everything right in front of right there. And so yeah. so they shame these poor people that are going in for a cancer diagnosis, for an STD screening, for birth control to prevent abortion, for any type of reproductive health care, and well, they're shaming them and and trying to turn them away. And my whole thing is, if you're really anti-abortion, you would be opening a clinic on every, there'd be more Planned Parenthoods than there would be Starbucks. Clarence Thomas just issued a a dissension yesterday, and it was ridiculous to me. He said that um, he, I wish I had Clarence the, Thomas, the Supreme Court justice. Obviously, there was the dissension and the probably the, the decision Indiana regarding Indiana's mm-hmm. uh, trying to limit abortions for women uh, who are getting abortion. This is really a bizarre, Bill. They, they were getting abortions they didn't like the gender of the child, which I don't know if any woman would admit to that anyway. So that kind of a weird happens. Law. That's it's it's such a it, it, I've never even heard of it. I've been involved in women's rights and reproductive health care rights for since I'm at the age of 14. I won't tell you how many years it's been. It's a long time. You're a lot younger than I am, so don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) I might fool you Uh, on that one. I doubt it, but anyway, go on. So I've never in a million years (laughs) ever even heard of selective abortions based on race, based on um, sex, based on, and that's what they're trying to say it's on. I really feel that that is a dog whistle. There, There may be, there may have, that may have happened, but I really feel it's a dog whistle because I know mostly women. I don't know any woman that's ever done that. Not one. So Thomas's dissent also laid the groundwork for prohibiting contraception. One of the articles was, uh, I believe, I can't remember which article uh, I was reading, but they were talking about how his dissent plays into the narrative that the Republicans have been building beyond the pro, you know, birth Mm -hmm. movement, but also for contraception. So the wording that he used condemned the ability for women to have contraceptive rights. And it, again, mm. to me, it's completely a control issue at that point. It's right. completely a control so, issue. So 
we all know that's where that's the strategy. We've talked about this many times on a show, not just with you, but with other guests. That it, uh, ultimately, the Republican strategy in passing all these measures, these restrictive measures throughout the South, throughout the country, actually, uh, is to force a challenge uh, of at, at the Supreme Court level, Roe v. Wade, and hope that it gets overturned, yeah. and then they could start outlawing abortion throughout the country, and. Uh, the question I ask everybody who comes in here, mo- putting aside your belief mm-hmm. about this issue, all right, put on your political strategist hat. And I do not see, help me out here, how this is a winning issue for the Republicans in districts outside of fervently Republican districts. Now, you guys are a potential swing district. I know Kinzinger won it. Uh, what did he get against Sarah Day? Did he get about 58% of the vote? It's so gerrymandered. There is there is no way anybody right. can win. So, so. Uh, But you sh- still should run against oh, him anyway. Yeah. I, just don't give him a bye. But yeah. is, is this a winning issue for the Republicans? I think it is in a lot of ways. It appeals to that evangelical Christian base. Patriarchal. Yeah. It um, also appeals to the the big backers, the big donors. I mean, we talk about how nonprofits um, are tax exempt, but some of these religions, some of these churches are actually advocating for candidates and political policies. mm -hmm. And they're not supposed to, or they're supposed to get taxed, right? So I think that what's going to happen is it appeals to that base. It appeals to the followers of those bases and they need money to run. And where do they get the money? Well, it was always, you know, way back in the day when it became the one issue voter and you would see the bumper stickers and stuff. And we would kind of write the religious write off as as whack jobs, you know, that one issue voters. Are you kidding me? Look at all the other issues. But if they can, can well, if they can can contain, consolidate this this voting block. It allows them to do other things like EPA rollbacks, like um, giving tax breaks to the wealthy, uh, like allowing the grifter in chief to remain our president, and so on. Well, you know, but but it's it's a base that they, do you think when this really started that they really wanted to have abortion rolled back? Because there's statistics that go along with that that show a drop in crime that goes along with abortion being legalized. You know, and that's a that's a statistical fact because the people who are impacted the most are poor people that don't have the same opportunities that other people have. You're talking about poor women, mostly unmarried women. Rural. You're talking, yeah, rural or uh, inner, you know, very urban. Um, no, I, I, you were, you're probably alluding to an article that was very controversial that mm-hmm. ran, and I think it was, I, I want to give the right authors, and I just can't remember who did I it. They, they argued, they made the argument that there was a drop in crime due to uh, the legalization of abortion. Now, that's a, a very controversial stance to I take, and that. I have a lot of difficulties with that one, because then you get to the notion of people like using abortion as a way to eliminate huge trends, and this is a theme that... The, right. The, so... We, what I'm talking about is specifically the notion that somehow or other uh, having a tight ban on abortion is a an issue that will guarantee Donald Trump 
uh, his return to the White House and the Republicans no. and able to Do hold you? on to the Senate and to get back the House. And I, I just don't see that. I don't see that as the issue that Donald Trump gets a second term. I don't see him getting a second term, really, because I think there's other bigger issues that are going to derail that. And I think, you know, taking a little segue here, Nancy Pelosi is building a slow, methodical case and a lot of it is is uh, you know public opinion for that but we have to realize that this space has been courted mm-hmm. and fed and fear-mongered and dog whistled till they're frothing at the mouth and they see this as an end game we know with what happened in Ireland when they put the the ban in how many women suffered and died mm-hmm. in Ireland and Ireland just reversed it Ireland who's largely Roman Catholic um, reversed their stance on abortion because, and now they're going to have uh, abortions paid by their public health care system. All right, another issue that's uh, on the docket in Springfield, and I don't know where they're standing on it today, uh, is the gambling issue uh, and to expand gambling throughout uh, the state of Illinois, a casino in Chicago, uh, more uh, gambling sites just throughout the city, throughout the state, uh, an attempt to raise money. Uh, The state needs to raise money and uh, to pay for its basic bills. Uh, So how does gambling play? Oh my gosh. Okay, I live in a really tiny town. There's 5,000 people in the town I live in. And I don't even live in town, I I live out in the country. When it first was legalized uh, for machines, we every single bar, restaurant, um, there's every store, and there isn't a whole lot going on down there. And I would I exclude like the the big, a uh, couple of the big bigger gas station chains, mm-hmm. uh, and Dollar General don't have them. But everybody else has at least a machine. And there was some ridiculous amount, like two million dollars, betted in that little town in the first uh, quarter. Mm-hmm. Trust me, there isn't two million extra dollars in that town. I don't know, you know, the level that that may may or may not have harmed people. But as far as expand, gambling expansion, um, and I noticed you guys don't have storefront casinos here in the West Loop like we do out in Marseilles. Every every little town in Will County, we they're sporadic. Oh, see, and in in Ottawa, you have your choice between probably a dozen. No, in Ottawa has 10,000 people, you know? So when you... Um, <laughs> a dozen sites. Oh, yeah. So obviously there's not a lot of local opposition to gambling. Well, and here's here's the thing with Which gambling. And because we have Harrah's where we are in Juliet, so yeah. there's yeah. not any opposition out there. Well, and here's the thing about gambling here in Illinois. We we tread this, this fine line like we don't gamble. The heck we don't, but it's lottery. Well, you know, what are all these machines? We we pretend like we're we're so much above everything that we're not Nevada, that we're not Las Vegas. For Pete's sake, people gamble in Illinois. I may not gamble, but other people do, and it's their money. And if it helps bring in revenue, I think that there's a lot of chance for overkill because I know a lot of the machine owners are people that have leased the machines out by me are finding a downturn because now the the you know the newness is wore off, but. Um, we gamble in Illinois, and we need to take stock in that, you know, and, and quit pretending we don't, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I, it, it's it's interesting thing. It's one of my favorite topics. I'm going to drag you guys into it. 
Uh, I understand we gamble. I understand people are yeah. it, love gambling. Uh, I also understand it's a problem. Yes. I, and that it could really destroy someone's life. It can mess up a family. Yeah. Uh, I realize it's a vice. And we tax vices. We, we legalize them and then we tax <laughs> them because we, we know how we pay our bills. That's uh, a very regressive way to pay bills. Exactly. Uh, for, of all the reasons why I favor legalizing marijuana, getting the money for it is probably at the bottom of the list because yeah, uh, I, I just think that you're just kind of like encouraging people to go out and smoke reefer. I don't know if that's the point of it. I, I, uh, it you know, they're going to smoke it anyway. And God bless them if it gets them off, you know, and it gets them through life. <laughs> Life's tough, man. Some people need to smoke a joint to get through it. I understand all that. But yeah. the notion that we're going to balance the budget on a vice, I have a lot, I have a lot of trouble with that. I have a huge that. issue with but that as well. The utter hypocrisy yeah. of people in the state of Illinois who think it's okay just to let gambling go everywhere, you know, every casino in Chicago now it's coming down there. Love yeah. to hear Doris Davenport in this one. Uh the casino's coming to Chicago. But marijuana, uh-oh, oh, we gotta we go slow. Oh, oh no. something's wrong. So what's like what like some vices are good, like liquor. Like oh my nobody's gosh. saying anything about abolition. Yeah, I mean, abolishing liquor, right? We tried that. It did. Yeah, we tried. It didn't work. We tried the war on drugs. That time. didn't work either. Today, on the House floor, mm-hmm. I can't, I don't have the representative's name in front of me, but he was a Republican representative who was uh, against the bill as it's going the, on. The marijuana bill. The marijuana bill. bill but not the gambling bill. Yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> and he, at the end, said, I want to leave you with a visual. Okay. He picks up an egg. Oh. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not, I'm not making this up and says, this is your brain, cracks the egg onto a frying pan, cold frying pan, and says, this is your brain on drugs. Remember that commercial? And seeds his talking. From the 80s, the War on Drugs commercial. Damn, man, that's like that Reefer Madness movie I, we used well, to see in high school. We were, it was. We it was were listening he to said the, that. It, it, did he say anything about the, no. the effect the alcohol might have on his brain oh, no. or his he liver or his kidney or whatever? children because they might have access to marijuana. And the thing is... <laughs> Here's your brain. <laughs> Maybe your did. brain is an egg. I like to think my brain's a little more substantive than an egg. Uh, well, and especially into a cold frying pan, I think you really missed an opportunity not bringing a hot plate. But beyond that, this is a 40-year, 30-year-old campaign that he's bringing back. Are you nuts? So, okay, there we go. In your neck of the woods is uh, (laughs) an appeal uh, to voters to be against, to be afraid of a marijuana legalization law by alluding to an egg on a frying pan. (laughs) Is that an effective tool to win over voters? No. No. Because (laughs) because out by us, um, we do have a marijuana dispensary, one in Ottawa and one in Morris. And they're, you know, my husband... um, is allowed to have medical marijuana. He's decided not to do it at this point for a lot of different reasons, but um, he's got his high levels of pain from a back surgery. So trying to, to get him to navigate it without opioids, it's been, you know, a challenge, but we get it done, you know. So the thing is, is that we've I've been in both dispensaries, especially when I was running, uh, became very friendly with the dispensaries, understand what they're doing. I had to I had to educate myself on it because I, I didn't have any background to go with. Um, for people like me and people who don't smoke dope, probably not gonna take it up, you know. For people who do, now we get to collect taxes on it. I hope it will put a little bit of a you know, um, there's a public safety component to it too, Heidi. Well, and re- that's that recently, and not that I have ever 
you know, we're just going to leave that. Yeah. But in the old days, <laughs> back in the you didn't day. have to worry <laughs> about oh, it Murray, being Murray, back in those days in Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't have to, you, there wasn't a, a cons, as much of a concern about what it was laced with. Yeah. But recently, there's been a large uptick in lacing marijuana with fentanyl because it's cheap and easily accessible. Yeah. Wow. So if you're talking about these kids or adults going and getting marijuana that they'd normally smoke, but now it's laced with fentanyl, that's a whole other problem as opposed to being able to walk into a dispensary, know the percentages of what you're getting, know what you're looking for, and get safe marijuana. All right, that's um, Murray's uh, speaking about her experiences with marijuana, just teasing her, (laughs) Heidi Henry as well. We got Doris Davenport. What I'm gonna do, uh, we take a break, bring Doris on, uh, have some Chicago political talk. If if, uh, you can stick around afterwards, uh, we'll take a break after that, and then we'll uh, have the three of you discussing national uh, politics as well. Yeah, for that? All All right, very good. The great Doris Davenport is about to come on. We'll bring her on right after this. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. See the city from a whole new angle on a Chicago Architecture Center tour. With more than 85 tours to choose from, there are endless stories to discover. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm on a tour. Oh my, what magnificent architecture. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. And that Ben Jarofsky loves Jeff Manuel, the pianist. And who doesn't? He's an amazing pianist. Book Jeff Manuel right now, jeffmanuelpianist.com. All right, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's a shop located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. And people, it's awesome because you can save money. That's right. Oh, listen, that money flow. All right. Uh, One more time, Ben. Money, 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 money. No singing. Okay. Uh, Furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics. Guys, it's a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Ben Jarofsky show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, tell them thank you and go check out Green Element Resale, 6241 North Broadway, greenelementresale.com. Now, this next part may be a bit biased because they are sponsors of the show, but Green Element Resale 
Yeah, it's the best thrift shop in the world. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Heidi Henry uh, is still in the uh, building. Uh, Marie Burial is still in the building. Uh, we'll bring them back on to have a la- larger discussion about national politics in a bit, but I uh, welcome to the mic, the great, the legendary uh, Doris Davenport, host of the Doris Davenport Show. <laughs> welcome back, Doris. Thank you so much. How are you, Ben? I'm oh, I like right. the way that sounds. Yeah. What, the, the headphones sound yeah, good? Yeah, this is different. Yeah. Is it? It's a good different work. or bad oh, different? Oh, it's a very good different. Oh, okay. I like that. I think okay. the last time Doris was on, there were some issues with the headphones. Yeah, it was like clicking or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fixed it. And it was not Mr. Precious. Oh, no, okay. Mr. Precious <laughs> love here? Yeah. He always brings your dog. Mr. Here. Precious, uh, named after Jerry Butler's song, even though he's not. I always name him that. You got an update before I bring Doris on? Absolutely, I do. No updates on the City Hall brawl between Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Alderman Ed Burke. Ben, watch out. Whoa, my. It's getting intense. Yeah. No updates yet. But here's an appropriate story uh, to discuss with our guest today. One guest lives in the city of Chicago, the other outside the city. And, you know, Illinois really does seem to be a tale of two states at times. And the following story from the Dispatch Argus out of East Moline, Illinois, further proves this point. Ben, you ever been to East Moline? Um, I don't know. Uh, it may have been. You should go sometime. You should go sometime. Yeah, I got these issues when I leave the boundaries of Chicago. I'm getting nervous. Our guest Heidi Henry's been to East Moline. Doris, you ever been to East Moline? Never. Okay, there you go. Gotta okay. give it a try sometime. All right, here's so uh, the article in the Argus Dispatch of East Moline. It says here, State Rep. Tony McCombie, uh, Republican out of Savannah, Illinois, has signed on as co-sponsor of a bill. And yeah, we got the recreational reefer bill. We got the gambling and fair tax bill. But McCombie signed on as a co-sponsor of a bill that intends to kick Chicago out of Illinois <laughs> and make it the 51st state of America. Okay. House Resolution 0101 appeals to the United States Congress to sever Chicago from the rest of Illinois. The bill was introduced by State Rep. Brad Halbrook, a Republican out of Shelbyville, on February 7th. McCombie signed on as co-sponsor April 11th. McCombie admitted that it's more of a message than anything. Speaking uh, on the bill, McCombie said, quote, That's a bill that's been around for years. It's a political bill. I didn't think much of it, and all of a sudden it's getting all this play. It's about reminding Chicago and Cook County legislators that there's more to Illinois than just Chicago. It's just a statement. I understand the good things Chicago brings to Illinois. I just want to remind them that there's a whole lot more to the state than just them. Uh, I agree with them 100%. I'm, I'm the one who always stands up for downstate. I hate it when they treat them like rubes who don't do things like smoke reefer. Haven't I always stood up for them? Absolutely, state? and I thank you for that because okay. I'm from downstate. Thank you. My mom and dad, thank you. I mean, the, the people, of, I'm not the one who runs the Republican Party that treats people like from downstate like they don't believe in science or they don't. Like they've never seen a marijuana cigarette in their life. I'm not the one who treats them like rubes or they don't want to fund education or they don't want to tax, tax rich people. They believe I'm not the one who does that. It's the Republicans that do that. And, and by the way, I'm just saying I'm throwing this out there. The way the gentrification policies as engineered by Mayor Rahm and Mayor Daley are working, they're moving poor people out of Chicago, moving yes. rich people into Chicago. Chicago's going to become wealthier. So you cut Chicago off from the rest of Illinois just saying this. What's the dude's name? 
He's from Shelbyville. Oh, McCombie. No, McCombie's not from Shem. Uh, where's McCombie? Savannah, from? Illinois. No, I thought you said for East Moline. Oh, that's the paper. Oh, okay. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll get There's it. So many towns you're throwing at me. <laughs> Who, where are you going to get your taxes from? That's what I was trying to say. They're going to have to tax. And yes, uh, listening audience, Ben Jarofsky called it a marijuana cigarette. Hang tight, millennials. That's <laughs> very old fashioned. Mike. Whoa, Ben, watch out. <laughs> That is some funny stuff, man. I'll tell you what. All right, Doris Davenport. What do you think about uh, taking Chicago out of the state of Illinois? Yes or no? Are you in favor of that? No, I'm not in favor of that. Yeah. I I mean, what kind? It would be so boring. This would be the most boring state in the entire (laughs) world without Chicago. I mean, they'll have nobody to talk about. Yeah. And no teams to root for or anything like that. Uh, really? All right. Now, uh, I have not had a chance to talk with the two big issues, local issues. Doris Davenport is the host of the Doris Davenport Show on, I'm going to say it, WCPT every Saturday. Yes. WCPT, where I once worked. Way to worked. go, Ben. Way to go. go. Okay, I'm working on Good it. Good for you. And uh, by the way, i got to give a shout out to my girl, Lady B. Got a nice promotion, I heard, at WCPT. Yes, she did. There's a lot of good people at that radio station. Yeah. And uh, yeah. just some, they just people who run it don't know what they're doing but the people who work there are really good people and i gotta give a shout out to uh, lady b she got a promotion so good for yeah, her yeah. all right she's your producer too wasn't well she was up until this promotion okay so she's going to be in the morning and by the way check me out i'm going to fill in tuesday morning yeah all right <laughs> Look at all this love I'm showing yeah. w- WCP. You're fired. I don't know if we're to the go check it out phase for yeah, me. No, I'm not. I got a ways to go, Doris. <laughs> a ways to go. I'm working on things, okay? Working on things. All right. Okay. Maybe smoke but some marijuana. That'll help me get through is, it. Look at how you're growing yeah, by leaps on. and bounds. Look at me. I mean, all right. my goodness. All right. So anyway, I haven't had an opportunity to talk to you about um, Mayor uh, Lori. Le- you were there at the inauguration. Yes, I saw I, you. Uh-huh. Uh, I saw you on YouTube. You did? Yeah, you're yeah. in the audience standing up. I was like, oh, door stabbing for you. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Did you see Mr. Pressure? No, I did not. You brought the dog to the <laughs> inauguration. Course. he wanted to see. <laughs> she brought the dog to the Bulls game once when we went to a Bulls yeah, game. Yeah, he goes to the Lyric Opera House. Is that right? He goes everywhere wow. with me. Okay. Uh, anyway, it's a very well-behaved dog. Um, so, Lori Lightfoot's uh, inaugural speech. Then Lori Lightfoot comes in and uh, smacks Ed Burke around. First, she kind of smacked the whole city council around. So, what's your feeling about Lori Lightfoot these days? That's a bad girl. Let me tell you. <laughs> Talk about badass. That's yep. a bad girl right there. First of all, I think I said this. Well, we haven't talked since the inauguration. So, do you remember when she? She was talking and she announced that the first thing she was going to do was to execute an executive order that eliminated all demanding prerogative. Yes, I do and remember And then that. she swirled around yeah. like a Baptist <laughs> choir director yeah. and she motioned for everybody on the council to stand up yeah. and they obliged her. They stood up. Because they had no choice. They had no choice. Um, but I mean, <laughs> that, oh, she is really coming out, taking the gloves off. So She's you're not impressed. Even, I can't remember. Well, I've had so many conversations. Were you pro Lori or pro Tony in the the in the? I just cannot remember. Yeah, I supported Tony. Okay. And the whole time, I was one of the people that really felt like I didn't see Lori's path. Mm-hmm. Now, did I know what Lori is capable of? Yes, but I did not see her path. I didn't see the energy. I was. I mean, you know, she talked about her own campaign staff and how they really didn't think that she was going to be victorious, yet they Mm -hmm. stayed with her. Um, And so she shocked me. I said, whoa, she did it. Mm -hmm. She came out and she did it. Well, it's an interesting thing. We've been talking uh, with Heidi before Mm -hmm. uh, you came on the show about uh, uh, Democrats from areas, from rural areas uh, that are largely Republican controlled 
Lori Lightfoot fits that bill. Lori Lightfoot grew up in a small town in Ohio. Yes. I presume the area is uh, Republican-controlled. Mm-hmm. part of rural Ohio. Ohio is Republican state these right. days. And yet she's basically a liberal Democrat. And uh, she is fearless. I mean, but she, she got a lot of support from the Republican, um, um, you know, enclaves of, of Chicago. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, they yeah. came out very strong for her. Yeah. So, what do you think that's all about? Like, what is? Do you think that people look at Lori Lightfoot and they everybody sees what they want to see? Well, I think she's she is an anomaly in many ways. She absolutely has those conservative leanings. She knows both sides. Mm-hmm. Remember, she she can navigate herself in and out of the C suites. Um, so she knows what conservative white America looks like, thinks like. Uh, she knows the tricks that they play. She knows that side of the game. But she also knows her own roots. So she understands. And she talk about code switching. I don't think there's a better code switcher than Mayor Lori Lightfoot. What do you mean by that? Well, black people, we have this thing called code switching, mm-hmm. which is you know when you're around a lot of black people, you can talk a different way and say, yo, man, what's up? <laughs> What up, daughter? I've never heard you say, yo, man, what's up? It's like when I go to Glen Ellen and I have to act like I came from there, which I did. Uh-huh. And then I go to Marseilles and I don't dare act like that. Right, exactly. Wait. You kind of let your hair down in a different way. Right. But you don't even realize yeah. it. You really don't realize that you're doing it. Uh-huh. Um, so when you're in England, do you suddenly speak with a British accent? Well, I Hello, do. I'm Doris Devonport. I think you speak more properly because you want people to understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I do think you switch it up. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so she code switches. Well, I think that she is able to code switch in her mind. She's able to code switch in her um, execution of things. Mm-hmm. She has a she has an understanding that is unique. I think. Mm. Do you are you aware of code switching? I mean, does it just happen? It happens, and I don't think you're. I mean, there are sometimes you can absolutely pull it out of your pocket and put it on. Yeah. But most of the time, it's just natural. It just happens. You fall into it. It's just like there are. If I'm really relaxed around certain people, you will hear my southern accent come out. What southern? You're from New York. <laughs> but I grew up most of my. I don't know most of it, but almost every summer of my life on a farm in South Carolina. I went to high school see, in I, South Carolina. I thought I heard some South Carolina in your. Really? Yeah. See, <laughs> I told y'all. <laughs> Oh, there we go. <laughs> Y'all don't want to listen to me. But I, you know, I'm one of those that says, yeah. I am just as comfortable in a skirt and high heels as I am playing in the dirt. Yep. And if you really want to know who I am, think agricultural farm girl, not the city girl. I am, somehow or other, I've known you all these years now, and I did not know. Either, either I knew that and forgot it or just yeah. put it out of my mind. Just think you of you forgot. as a city girl. Uh, and uh, I think of, yeah, I do not think of you as a farm girl at all. So, all right. So, yeah, so there's this strong personality that's emerged, and the defining moment in many ways occurred a couple days ago at the city council meeting where Ed Burke, I guess, I if I didn't know better, I'd say he was doing her a favor. I, I would say that he arranged it before they did it. He was mansplaining. He was mansplaining. That's exactly that's good. I love that. That's what he was doing. And she I'll, took him out. And she. And Heidi Henry should have her own radio show. Good God. Wait, I do have a podcast. That is correct. Out. We were supposed to plug the podcast. Plug it now, Heidi. Plug uh, it now. Heartland Mamas. Heartland Mamas. Okay. Me and Murray. I think uh, Heidi should come on the Doris Davenport show. I That's think what so I too. think. Uh, we'll close that deal before you. That leave. deal will be cut before we leave. Uh, but uh, so, did did you? Uh, I mean, it couldn't have been. It, it couldn't have worked better for Lori Lightfoot uh, if they did arrange it. Well, let me tell you, all I can say 
is that was a show enough spanking. <laughs> Speaking of code changes. <laughs> that was a show enough spanking. You know, do you remember last year? <laughs> this was a little late there. Sorry, sorry. Do you remember last year when um, Alderman Carrie Austin was caught on tape saying, y'all ain't seen no thugs till you seen the city council thugs? Yes, I do remember that. Now, yeah. I think what, what you're seeing in Lori is, is the warning to anybody on that council yeah. and, and Rahm Emanuel. I played, and I do ask people to listen, on Memorial Weekend, I replayed um, an interview that I conducted with Lori Lightfoot uh, during the campaign. It was right after she announced. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to that uh, video, when you listen to the interview, you will hear her talk about so many of the things that she is doing now. You will see, you can, you can hear, she's not afraid. She is absolutely unafraid. And she's telling them all, I know your tricks. I, you, can, you can think that you're gonna push me around. I might be small in stature, but I'm telling you, do you remember when Mark Witt? Mark Yo, Witt? Uh, yeah, I, a good friend of this show, but Rob, he did, he did her a favor. Speak about yeah. guys who do That's Lori right. Lightfoot a favor. <laughs> Rob Markwick, when he showed up at the, or invaded he showed her press, up at the press conference. press conference, right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you remember that? Her timing, I, the timing in her life yeah. is so amazing. It's, it is. You couldn't, you couldn't buy press like that. You just, you know, it's yeah, perfect. It's well, you so know, he, he, Doris, this is something I've struggled with all these years. Uh, I'm not from Chicago. I moved here. One thing, it, it, carpetbagger. I know I'm a carpetbagger. I've been here so long. I'm carpetbagger. Yeah, wow. This my land of fame and fortune. Like, uh, but uh, Chicagoans have this infatuation with tough mayors. Yes. And yeah. generally, that meant electing, at least for the last 30 years, people who are just a rude and abusive, patronizing, mm -hmm. condescending bullies. Right. All right. And generally, small people. Mm -hmm. All right. That's the whole weird thing. So here we like, keep continuing, like, people are not tall as mayors of the city of Chicago, which is a whole other. <laughs> What is that about? I do not know. I'm always I never struggling. Thought about that. You know, think about it. We never. What's that about? I, you're now, asking no, me. I have to talk to a doctor. Yeah, get a therapist in your studio for your next show. <laughs> Benny J, you got a shot at mayor, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I'm a giant compared to our mayors. I tower over them. I'm like Pascal Siakam. I'll black their shots. Anyway, sports reference. Nobody got that. All right. Uh, so, but but Lori Lightfoot, unlike Rom and Daly, mm -hmm. doesn't treat people rudely yeah she's uh she's a real she treats you with respect mm -hmm. if you treat her respect yeah now if you cross the line that's she'll right. swat you down like a flat that's as right Laura, uh she did to ed burke she's no pushover but but did you, did you see the distinction i'm making here yeah. she's it seems like Chicago has elected mayors who try to show they were tough mm -hmm. by picking up people that they knew they can push around. Well, that's why I say she's an anomaly, because I do think some people thought they might be able to push her around. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's showing them right now. Don't even think about it. Yeah. And when she, look, after she whipped Ed Burke, and she did, come on, that was a whooping. Yeah. <laughs> but after she did it, yeah. and the press came to her and said, what was that about? With the mic in her face, yeah. she said, and every time he does it, the same thing will happen. Yeah, yeah. So she's letting you know. You, you know, know what? I'm here to get. I'm, I came in with a mandate. I'm going to push, 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 and let's see. 
I do notice that just like, um, I think it was yesterday, there was a huge bill on, I think it was a McCormick Place um, 1% tax. Yeah. They wanted to expand their uh-huh. tax base to go way up to Evanston. Yeah, and then they were going to move, tear down McCormick Place uh, and move and build a new facility uh, yeah. to the west. Go ahead. Right. And that would cover a lot now. If you really go into the bill, and I dug into it a little bit, I was quite surprised to see the village of Rosemont was reaping quite a bit of benefit from that bill. I didn't understand how that worked its way in there. Mm-hmm. But at first, she had said that she didn't know enough about it to oppose it. And then something, I didn't, and within the last 24 hours, she came out and opposed it. So I think that, you know, she realizes that she's not going to be able to, this is a fast game call, when you're the mayor of the city of Chicago. You can't sit back and say, I'll think about it. The press is not going to let you do that. The people are not going to let you do that. And just the sheer volume of issues mm-hmm. are not going to let you do that. And she's finding that out with this crime situation, mm. you know, with all the gun violence. Yeah. I mean, everybody was kind of on pins and needles for Memorial, Memorial Day weekend. Day, yeah. What's going to happen? She got out there in the street. She was going from hot button, hot button neighborhood to hot button neighborhood, spending time with the police to, you know, kind of talk to them about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And she got a dose of what was it? Forty-two people shot. Uh, four, I think it was four. Is it four? Seven dead. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was thirty-four, but I, mm-hmm. I, I don't you know. I'm doing it right. off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, Dennis just sent me a note here that uh, the House was it the House or the Senate? The House. The passed, House. The, the House. House passed the uh, marijuana legalization. I called the Rupert ah. bill. Uh, <laughs> Doris and I don't completely. <laughs> <laughs> it does the mind. We don't completely see eye to eye on the marijuana deal, uh, but the House uh, has passed it, uh, and it goes to Governor Pritzker to sign, and he's already said he's going to sign it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I applaud it. What's your general reaction to this? Well, you know, my fear, my concern about it is always safety and really the um, um, the, the development of the young people that are going to be utilizing it. So I do think it is something that's gonna have to be heavily regulated. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that now, what people are smoking now is not the same thing that you were smoking in the 70s. Yeah, (laughs) that's what Murray was telling me, yeah. (laughs) And I don't care what name you give it, it's stronger. I don't care what they're lacing it with, it's still stronger. The people who smoke it will tell you that it's stronger. There may be a few in this room who can help me out on this. Well, the people that I know that smoke it say that it's stronger. (laughs) We've got some hands being raised here. But, you know, here's my my real issue. I'm not opposed to, remember the last time I was here, I said, I'm going to, I'm on the bandwagon now of I'm for it Uh because I knew, I said, I know it's going to go through and I want to make sure it goes through correctly. Mm -hmm. Now, did it go through correctly? No, but we've got work to do. Mm -hmm. We need to ensure that there's a workforce diversity plan Mm -hmm. that gets that gets put into policy. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that the people who are working in these facilities have the right to unionize. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity for unions to right a lot of the wrongs 100%. that have been happened over the years with locking black people out of the unions. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity to open that door, create hundreds of of opportunities for people to grow up in the ranks and really move from working yeah. class to middle class economically. Um, I think that this is one of those you know, I understand what the police are talking about, frankly. They have a legitimate uh, concern, and that is you all pay us to make sure that you are safe when you're on the roads. When we pull somebody over, how will we know? We can look at them and tell they're high mm-hmm. if they've caused an accident, but we don't have any apparatus. There's no, like, you know, there's a breathalyzer test that you can give somebody if they're drinking, mm-hmm. but that doesn't exist yet. Well, there are some um, sample um 
products, but Chicago doesn't have them, is my point. Mm -hmm. Illinois that, doesn't have them. That was one of my concerns when I was running for office, and that was an issue that um, I had embraced was legal, legalization. And it was mostly um, out where I live. Mm -hmm. uh, the racial profiling when I would canvas door to door was strictly limited to people of color. Mm. They people all, of color or black people? Oh, well, it was mostly black people, but mm -hmm. I have to tell you that um, it, it was in the Hispanic population as well. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing is, is when you meet a young man at the door and he has to work at the warehouses for less than $10 an hour, he can't keep a steady job because mm -hmm. because of this record that he had when he was 17. And the ridiculousness of keeping him from realizing the full potential of his young life. Yes. Oh my God, that's why we need to do that and we need to have a greater mm -hmm. um, expungement. I mean, exactly. that, that that's a huge issue. Well, listen, I don't get me started on the expungement issue. I the the Republicans were trying to make that uh, a reason to vote against the the That's marijuana right, bill. I would nuts on that yesterday because it's so interesting when it comes to protecting the rights of Donald Trump from being prosecuted for his crimes and misdemeanors. He's an Repu old white guy, of course they are. They, know, they stand up suddenly they're member ACLU card-carrying members of the ACLU right. and mm -hmm. constitutional rights, but when it comes to some ordinary Joe who's arrested on the west side or the south side <laughs> for a joint, yeah. you know, oh, well, yeah, he's a criminal. He's a yeah. criminal. Yeah. Did, they, did they compromise on that? They issue? must have because, well, I, I, when you say compromise, I don't know if the Republicans were satisfied. I just, Dennis flashed a, a, yeah. a headline in front of me and I know there were like 30 some people who voted. Gra 30 grams is what the, the expungement was going to be at and I don't think No, no, the, the, the headline was that 30 people voted against the bill. Oh. So I'm presuming that they were all Republicans. Well, I, I can't probably. presume that. There are probably some no, Democrats we, as well. we know that there's going to be some Democrats yeah. are going to vote against it or just take a present yeah. vote. But I think you're right, Heidi. It was um, the number of grams that you're allowed legally to now carry is what the Republicans said. That should be the limit for you to be able to get your record expunged. It, Otherwise, they're going to have a parallel process yeah. for expungement, but you have to initiate yes. it as opposed to it being All right. Automated. Yeah, they're going to make it harder uh, for people to expunge the record. Yeah. And they're also going to make it harder. I This is a concern that I have. Once you legalize reefer, it's going to be powerful conglomerates that take control of the business. Yeah. We're seeing that happening in California already. And that's just like the way of the world, mm -hmm. Doris Davenport. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is a really weird thing. I almost feel it's kind of strange saying it. Like black guys are making money off of selling reefer on the west side or the south side. Uh, now they're, we legalize it. They lose business. I mean, that's it's right. just... I, and, it's they're not allowed to, and they're not allowed to participate yeah. in it economically. I'm like, and, and that's, we, we always mess that's things up. There's a problem with that. I Me mean, too. It's not so much that they were doing the business illegally before. Mm -hmm. It's just that there has to be a place for people to move forward from. Yeah. And you've taken that entire platform away. Yeah. So now you have somebody who maybe supports their family with mm -hmm. with that, and now they have no income. So what's your choice? So what are they going to do? No, yeah. Well, they, obviously the state of Illinois, that, they're not at the top of the list of things they care about. All right, now before we go to break, I'm Doris Davenport will give you the same question I gave uh, Heidi and uh, Murray, and that is this. Don't duck, don't dodge when I ask you this question. Oh my <laughs> goodness, there's music. Uh, all right, here we go. So in addition <laughs> to the reefer bill, they got the gambling bill. Uh -huh. Which vice do you think is more destructive? They're both vices. Gambling or marijuana smoking, Doris Davenport. Gambling. Wow. 
I agree with you one. Yeah. Why do you say that? Well, I think that the gambling is one of those vices where you're constantly like believing I won all it takes is one win. Yeah. And you think you can just do it again. Mm-hmm. Now some people will say that they call them gateway drugs because you're looking for that one good high, but that's for certain kinds of drugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're smoking pot, you're smoking pot, mm-hmm. but you're not, you're still going to work. You got to work in order to buy it. With gambling, a lot of people I work with everything. are smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> I think 45 is smoking pot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nah, if he was smoking pot, he'd be making more sense. I, but go ahead. Laugh more. <laughs> uh, but, but your yeah. point, yeah, gambling. Go I ahead. I think gambling destroys families. Yeah. It destroys businesses, relationships. It really just it creates a lot of you know psychological issues, depression. I think it's one of the when they put video gambling in, you could see it. Yeah. I see so many wide saucer-eyed people coming from oh. behind the curtain and you know where they've got the video gambling. It's not good. It's really not. I, a good I agree thing. with you, and yet the just, gambling increases the drinking. Yes. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, it's all. But it's just interesting. I'm not saying I want to prohibit gambling. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just going to say it's an interesting contrast. You don't want a Chicago casino? I don't want, you know what? I, I do not want a, a casino in Chicago. I'm not going to crusade against a casino yeah. in Chicago, but I do not want a casino in Chicago. I feel as though the gambling is very destructive. And um, I just, I feel as though I'd rather legalize a reefer and get the money off a reefer mm-hmm. uh, than to go to the gambling route. I agree. Uh, there's too much gambling. There's so much gambling in the city of Chicago as right there now, is right, right now. now. Uh, but, but they want know, they want a Vegas-style O'Hare airport. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm not feeling that. And... But, I hope Lori's not feeling that. Well, I got a feeling we're going to get gambling and we're going to get a casino. And I just think it's the way they, you know, they see it's a vice. They see people are in deep. Uh, and uh, we, we did a show last week. Chris Buddy was on. He's a filmmaker. He's a really great documentary, Doors. When it comes out, I urge you to check it out. It's about how the casinos, the big time casinos, um, the, the, the whole thing is is uh, rigged in there, and so they win. Oh, and yeah. so when you get a card player who who has mastered the game of blackjack mm. and has figured out how to count, this is what the documentary is mm-hmm. about: card counters. Mm-hmm. They. They f- see that, they see they're winning, and they kick them out, they ban yeah, them. They Somehow are they have the right to ban That's right. How is that fair? If we have predatory lenders that have figured out <laughs> oh, how to hook people to get them to give their paychecks to, mm-hmm. in order to get a payday loan, right? we don't kick them out. Yes, absolutely correct. Oh, don't get me started on payday loans. <laughs> uh, that is uh, Heidi Henry. We have Doris Davenport. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to broaden the discussion. We're going to talk some national uh, democratic politics and uh, Donald Trump impeachment. We're going to give him the impeachment question, see what their position is on it when we return. Cirque du Soleil's Big Top comes back to Chicago with its latest show, Volta. Venture into a captivating voyage of discovery inspired by the adventurous spirit of freedom where a surge of action sparks a high-voltage journey. Volta. Playing May 18th through July 6th under the Big Top at Soldier Field. Tickets at CirqueDuSoleil.com. Volta thanks their partners Hennessy Black and Champagne Nicola Fayette. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. 
arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. All right, everybody, it's time now to talk about Ben's favorite store. Unfortunately, it's going out of business. I know it's sad. After five years in Andersonville, Murray and White have made the difficult decision to close their doors. But everything in the store is on sale right now. Notable sale items. Now you may need to call uh, Murray and White before you go if you're into candles, okay? Because our host, Ben Jarofsky, may have bought every single candle in this Murray and White building. My God, he loves candles. I love them. What's your favorite scent? Uh, peppermint. Oh, pepper. I just threw that. I have no idea. He's a peppermint <laughs> candle man. I don't even know if that's is a that thing. Is that available not at Christmas? I, like, is, is it like all year? It was the only thing I could think of, Murray, at that very moment when he asked. I just, peppermint. He I, loves peppermint candles, guys. All right. Voluspa Nest. I know what's going on your Christmas list. <laughs> peppermint candles. Voluspa yeah. and Nest fragrance brand candles like are 20% off. These lines can rarely be found on sale. So while 20% isn't the largest discount, lovers of both these popular candle lines like Ben have been buying them up all rugs 30% off in store and new orders through June 1st all floor samples that's tomorrow by the way guys all floor sample furniture is 30 to 50% off antique furniture pieces 40 to 50% off pillows 40% off picture frames 40% off jewelry 40 to 50% off I can keep going here guys but I think you get the point damn near everything in this store is uh, discounted very heavily okay <laughs> and uh, maybe I don't know about the candles you got to call Murray and White and see if they got the candles Ben may have bought especially all the the peppermint ones <laughs> all two of them more zero i don't know but store fixtures and lighting also on sale once again murray and white after five years in andersonville have made the unfortunate decision to close down their doors but everything is on sale go check it out welcome back to the ben Drofsky show Mr. Jarofsky, take us to the weekend, carpetbagger. Okay. <laughs> that super cool music means the end of another super cool show, but it's not over yet. We still have the big three. Murray Brio, Heidi Henry, and Doris Davenport in the studio. And that, by the way, is Doris Davenport playing keyboards. Is she good or what? All right. She not only hosts her own talk show. She plays the piano. bandmates here, too. Yeah, she got the band. Murray Beale's playing drums. <laughs> All right. Now. Enough goofing around. D, you got an update before I get give them the hard questions? So they're going to duck and dodge on me? Absolutely. Well, they may not duck and dodge. Come All on. Right. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it is true, people. Uh, the marijuana recreational uh, cannabis spill. We got to get better at telling that. We call it reefer. And oh, by the way, Heidi Henry, that was, she called it dope earlier. That's yeah. old school. Yeah, that's, that's old school that's right old there. Glenn Allen talk. And ben called it a marijuana cigarette. <laughs> Yeah, good times. All right, so uh, let's see here. The Illinois House voted 66 to 47 after more than three hours of debate. The Illinois Senate on Wednesday cleared the measure. The governor issued a statement applauding the bill's passage and pledging to sign it. Uh, let's see here. While there are giant swaths of criminal justice and social equity reforms attached to the measure, including giving a second chance to thousands of people convicted of marijuana possession, practically speaking, it will allow Illinois residents over 21 to buy cannabis from licensed dispensaries as soon as 
as January 1st. All right, listen. Wow. I can Yay. see the articles coming out. Uh, I presume uh, Pritzker's got But by the way, one point I have to make, Pritzker, I presume, will sign it with 66 to 47. Oh, it yeah. did not have the supermajority to beat a governor's veto. It just goes to show you the difference of life in Illinois with a Democratic J.B. Pritzker as opposed to a Republican Bruce Rauner. They don't have to remember the old days, mm-hmm. government yep. did the veto. Right. Do they have enough to beat the veto? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's an interesting thing. And I'm, 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 sh- I'm sure in the next couple of years, um, there will be many articles in the paper about how the expungement stuff's not working. People are still getting screwed with the, these old records. Uh, powerful co- corporate interests are taking over. the mar- I'm just thinking of all the controversies that'll emerge from this, but I will say this now. Any, my humble opinion, any move to end the war on drugs, I welcome. Yes. Uh, even though I know it's not perfect, mm-hmm. the war on drugs was a disaster. Oh. Yeah. And so I think this is when a good... When you declare a war on anything, isn't it pretty much a disaster? Always, yeah. right? You know, I mean, let's, let's say war on poverty. Mm-hmm. We didn't do much there. Yeah. War on drugs. That was bad. Yeah, better metaphor. Is that yeah. your point? Yeah, use a better metaphor. Yeah. Um, all right, now let's uh, get get down to business wait, here. Wait, did someone say Bruce Rauner? <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> snakes, hey, snakes, teachers. snakes. Hey, for our teachers. <laughs> she wanted the snakes one. You got I know, snake. I got that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was Bruce Rauner in the old days. Talking about the snakes. Snakes, my favorite pet snakes. Right. Oh, and God, I love that my mom hated them and threw them on her every chance I got. Yeah, all right. Yeah. We're going to play it before the show ends. <laughs> oh, my God. I haven't heard that. All right. Uh, everybody comes on the show has to answer the impeachment question. Don't duck. Don't dodge. Uh, we'll go with Heidi first. We'll go right down the row. Uh, should the Democrats impeach President Donald John Trump Heidi Henry? 100%. But I want to give Nancy Pelosi time to build the case and the, the court uh, court public opinion. All right. I say impeach, impeach, impeach. Now, you know I love Nancy Pelosi. Had the great, great opportunity to stand with her and meet her when she was here two weeks ago with uh, Jan Schakowsky. I did not know that. Yeah, I have to show you my nice. picture. Um, and I have to tell you, I think she's doing the right thing. She's, she withheld for so long. She For so long, she simply said, I'm, I'm not for impeachment. Uh-huh. And that was her smartest thing because it threw Donald Trump off guard. Yeah. He just kept you know, doing what he does, and now she's building her case. But I do think it's the Democrats' only chance of winning in 2020. Wow, we'll get to that one. I'm gonna write that down. Murray, what's your thoughts? I, I agree with the ladies. I think that it's definitely the path we need to take, but I really do like Nancy's controlled, measured approach. So what she's, she's, she's a political genius. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. And what she's doing is she's allowing citizens to apply that pressure to their congresspeople who are then applying it to her so that it's not coming from the top down. It's yeah. coming from the bottom up. Uh, I Everybody knows I love Dennis teased me how much I love Nancy Pelosi. Uh, oh, God, he loves her, guys. <laughs> I, I just think she's uh, playing the game so well. Doris, what you said, the Democrats' only chance to win. Yeah. Expound on that. Well, you know, we have so many candidates in the race mm-hmm. that you can easily see how it's the, the vote's going to be split so many different ways. And if the Electoral College, which is still the um, system that we have, we need a majority number of votes in the end, but even to get through the primary, mm-hmm. we need to be able to hear the messages. I do think that I'm happy about the number, the, the number of people that we would not have expected to make it to the debate stage. You know, they have the threshold of True. how many individual donors you have to get, how much money you have to raise. There are some people, and I don't want to jump the gun if you're going to talk about candidates, um, 
but there are a couple we'll get of to those. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll wait. Then there are a couple of candidates that are going to be on the debate stage that nobody's talking about now that I think we're going to be surprised to hear from. But if we don't start that impeachment now, even with his base, his popularity, it's not it's going to grow. And I think it's going to be a problem. Wait, for what will grow? His popularity His will popularity grow? His popularity will grow because if Democrats don't flex their muscles now, mm-hmm. you, no, you, they're just going to look like they're a lame party that's just not willing Spineless. to stand up and you're work for the working class. Are you not worried about it backfiring on us? No, not if we build the case. As, right, if we build it from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you can't right. do it if you don't have the case. But I think that Mueller coming out and saying, if we thought for one moment that he was innocent, we would have said so. Well, here's, okay, by the way, that was beautiful. You guys did it in unison. Uh, (laughs) It's just met each other. You're already finishing each other's sentences. Uh, It usually takes 30 years of a marriage to get to that point. Not with uh, girls. Not with women. Okay. We click way quicker. We do. But by the way, now we get to the Mueller issue. Mm -hmm. What is with Mueller? Can he just say something? Like straight, straight? Right? I think I think he's really impinged by the letter of the law, and I think he's yeah. he's crafty like a fox. So mm-hmm. he's got he's using the words he needs to use mm-hmm. to form to stay within the matrix that the DOJ has put forward. So having uh, did you girls read the Mueller report? I, I did some of it. Oh, we have it right here if you want it. Yeah. I just pile of newspapers uh, and in Audible he has it for a free download for those that like to listen oh, to mm-hmm. things as they go to sleep, but. Um, although it's a little horrifying. But after you read that and you understand, you know, everybody's like, why didn't they just say it? Why didn't he just say it yesterday? Well, he can't. He mm-hmm. can't because the DOJ has policy and he has to stay within that policy. And the reason he's doing it, I think, is because he wants to make sure that his words aren't spun against him in the process. So he's making sure he follows the exact policy and letter of the law so that they can't use his testimony to undo it. It's, and I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, 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 no. It's frustrating, though, that we follow the letter of the law when so many others, including 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, do not. Oh, They're impudent. You know, there's no law that they can't mm-hmm. yeah. violate. And yet we have to be so careful with what we're doing. I think that there's a little bit of Mueller doesn't want to make any claims within those policies. But I wish that he would, because what he says, you know, great, he did say there's no, if we thought he wasn't guilty of the crime, we would have said so. But at the same time, there's this this ability to wiggle with what he said. When you looked at the Twitter feeds and you looked at people's responses. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. It goes to mm-hmm. showing that the same two speeches that you heard during his press conference got very different responses from both sides. But I think he gave Nancy what she needed in order to get the um, um, the legislators to, because they're the ones that have to be like gung-ho ready to do this and do the work in the committees to make these investigations yeah. to start them. And, and, and I think he did that, you know, by him telling them, it's your job now. I gave you what you need. You know you hear so much about them getting reports, the legislators that are 300, 500 pages. They don't have time to read them. Most of the time they don't. Mm-hmm. They look at the, their person that they trust and they say, should I vote for this? And they do. But this is one where, where Mueller is saying, 
I gave you everything you need, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to read that report. I love that. I love yes. that. You know, you have read to. It. You have to read it. I mean, you he's giving you a mandate. Yes. You know? Well, I think the most concerning thing for me about listening to his press conference is how he addresses the Russian interference, mm. and that is something that while we have been focusing on Donald Trump, we've been focusing on impeachment. The Senate won't allow us to get any money to fund, you know, um, cyber protections. But the problem is, is that we're missing that big boat. And I'm wondering if if we're not willing to pursue impeachment, can't we pursue the investigation into what actually happened, what actors there were, why there are no sanctions for those that participated? To ensure they won't be back in 2020, yeah. because he said they're here. Mm-hmm. They are here. He said they will. Well, they worked well for Donald Trump in 2016, So, and he encouraged them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Remember that? He encouraged them. And then them. lied that it wasn't Russia. It wasn't Russia. Putin said it wasn't Russia. Yeah. No, I... Uh, uh, I I I I do believe impeachment will happen. I, it's and I do believe I agree agree with you that Nancy Pelosi is playing this like a maestro. I know. Uh, but I I'm a, I'm just gonna say I think there's something. Uh, Mueller is just one of those guys who just can't. Uh, Heidi, I just got to say I, I'm not ready to sign on that he's a genius. I just think he's one of those guys who can't say something straight. You know, is the sky blue? Well, the blue of the sky is like the blue of my heart. Well, what are you talking about, man? Come on, say straight. But if, if he's following the protocol, mm-hmm. and you know, the, that's the thing with those guys is they they're so big in protocol, right? Yeah, that's, and uh, that's they're true. They're so they're so hemmed in with what they can say, and being that they're an attorney and I'm not, um, I realize that there's legalese involved in in how he delivered that speech, but. We also know when we talk about impeachment, we, we're pretty sure the House is going to impeach him. We know that that Mitch McConnell will either never call it onto the floor of the Senate, or if he does call it, it will fail in the Senate. Wait, you can you not call? I mean, if the House impeaches him, I don't. I, you Look think, at the stuff he's sitting on now. He can yeah. delay. And well, delay it's still a vote. Delay. It's it's still a. Uh, you know, something that they can decide we're going to vote you know, on. And we need not. to cool get in. We have a House lawyer that will come in and, and, and settle this one right and uh, once and for all. Jim Coogan's coming in next week. All right, now. Well, Donald uh, Trump would like to weigh in here. Sorry. No collusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you say so. Uh, all right, now. Uh, uh, you were suggesting earlier, um, uh, Doris, that there's some candidates uh, worth talking about. So let me throw out this one to you. Uh, mostly on the show, I talk a lot about Elizabeth Warren, uh, and I talk a lot about Bernie. I voted for Bernie in 2016. I'm really impressed with Elizabeth Warren now. Uh, who, in your humble opinion, uh, there's 23 of them. Are there? Now here's the cheat sheet. If you need to go to the cheat sheet, uh, who are some of the candidates we should know about that we don't know about? Well, uh, who wants to go first? I don't well, I'll care. Go first, I think there's one voice that you don't hear a lot about, but I think she's going to surprise a lot of people, particularly on the debate stage, and that's Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson, people will right now when they look at her and they look at her background, they're going to say, oh, my goodness, she's that California la, 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 do, 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 because she is, she was Oprah Winfrey's spiritual guru. That is correct. Uh, But this woman knows her stuff. Yes. She can hang with anybody currently elected or not when it comes to everything from foreign affairs to domestic issues to um, uh, budgets. She knows her stuff, and I think she's going to shock a lot of people. She's going to become um, a contender, I believe. So that would be one. That, that would be the one, the one you would do. Well, um, and, and I agree. She's a fascinating person. I've, I've been able to listen to her speak a few times, mm-hmm. and uh, I think one time here on the Oprah Winfrey <laughs> show, <laughs> back when she had a show. So, mm-hmm. 
But uh, you it's know, officially it, over now. I know. Did you hear? I t- so, um, and she is a fascinating person. And of course, uh, Mayor Pete, he, he was, he's amazing. I, I think that uh, he does get a lot of press and I love how he gets up in Donald Trump's face. I mean, but, you know, for me, it's like- And he's raising a whole lot of cash. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, you know, to me, um, Warren and Harris are the two, two women I'd like to see come through. I hate to say it. I have a feeling it's going to end up splitting, and we'll end up getting Uncle Joe, which is which is fine. Which is I was, fine. that was my next question. But finish your thoughts. Okay, uh, so so here's here's me. I'm a vote blue, no matter who on this issue. Okay, okay whoever we just pre- want a Democratic president. All right, we, we just Ooh, I like that. I, I agree, but there's we've done that for so long that we just want a Democrat. We just want a Democrat, and we have Democrats that are passing laws. But, but the alternative, rights. the alternative oh, I get it. is I get it. You know, oh, yeah. So that that's why I mean, and you know, I I was a Hillary supporter, not a Bernie supporter, which you know, which, I always forget that. Yeah, I yeah. know, and and I know it sounds weird as a progressive, but I always tell you that feminism, sustainable feminism, must come before sustainable progress, progressive uh, progressivism because women, by and large, are more progressive in our actions, not so much our words, but always in our actions, and. When we don't have sustainable feminism, progressivism dies in the darkness, just like FDR, you know, like the New Deal. So um, one one bite at a time. But you know, Bernie does not fascinate me. A lot of the things he says fascinate me. But um, you know, I see if we we do end up getting Uncle Joe, which is where where I was heading with it. I'm fine with it. Not my choice. I would have been. I'm fine with Bernie. I, I'm fine with anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Because we have to get the orange monster out of 1600 Pennsylvania. We just have to. Uh, so what's your thoughts about Grant? I call him Grandpa Joe. She calls well, him Uncle Joe. You know, I'm a, I'm a Biden lover. So I'm one of those women that um, I am not about to jump on that bandwagon. I have a picture, which I'm going to find for you, of um, Uncle Joe with his hands on both my shoulders. <laughs> okay. You see his wife yeah. standing very standing nearby. by there. And he is just the <laughs> warmest, nicest yes. guy you ever want to meet. And all those conversations that people have, of course, you believe the woman if she really has a story, but all the rumor and innuendo that, you know, he holds your hand too long or it's, you never get that creepy feeling that every woman knows when a man is doing, you know, creeping, (laughs) creep, creep. Um, He's not that. Well, what so, about his uh, his stands uh, from the '90s, remnants of the '90s, like on the crime bill, etc. Oh, yeah. uh, the the Clinton crime bill. Does that not bother you? Well, no, it doesn't, because I think that he has evolved in ways that you just exactly it, right before your very eyes. Mm-hmm. The years that he spent with Obama, you got a chance to see his evolution right in front of you, exactly. and he is not the same person that he was then. I don't know if anybody is ever the same person they are, whether they go forward, backward, or somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. As your experiences shape you, so shapes your views and what you're willing to do. I know we think, oh, well, 30 years ago they did this and it was so horrible, but what have they done in the last 30 years of their life? What have have their actions shown you that they're going to be like now? Yeah. All right, If so if uh, Grandpa Joe is the nominee, who would you like to see his running mate be? He's got to pick Warren or Harris. He has to, absolutely has to. And uh, I can't... Warren or Kamala Harris. Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Because both of those women are so strong and they're so decisive in what they do. And we cannot have a, a double white guy 
ticket again. No. I just, I mean, I'll vote for it because mm-hmm. the alternative, but women need to be heard and we need to be respected and we need to have, we need to gain ground. And I look at, you know, going back to the abortion issue, it's because we don't have a place at the table. We do not have that place and we need it. I believe it was the the health care consultant or the health care uh, caucus bipartisan, whatever it was that the president was doing back when he was trying to repeal the ACA for like the 36th time. It was all a bunch of white guys. Yeah, I saw that picture. So yeah. all of our health, all of most of these bills being passed by these states are done by a group of guys, not only a group of guys that don't have what we have, but no scientific background, no medical background. Mm-hmm. Who are you to do anything about health? Yeah. Doris, who, who would you like to see the running? Yeah, I think it's time we see uh, a black woman in the White House. Um, uh, yeah, I think we had our we had Michelle Obama there as first lady, mm-hmm. but I think that really looking at uh, what we hold valuable when it comes to intelligence and leadership, I think it's time. So I think, and I love the fact that we are all sitting here because I think some of the conversation around feminism, some of the conversation about we women have arrived, I don't agree with all of that because my experience is different. And I think many black women would not agree with that. So I do think that I would like to see a black woman in that position. And I think a Biden-Harris ticket um, it's unstoppable. Yeah. Well, I've been pushing a Biden, Stacey Abrams, and uh, that's oh, my that's ticket. Right. That's and right. uh, but then I, I pushed that yesterday. Someone said, "Oh, she's already running for governor of Georgia." I, I missed that announcement. Is she? I. I I shouldn't well, even well, say you, it. But you've been asking her to run for the longest. Yeah, time. I know. But asking her, most people, most women, when I ask them to run for something, they go, "Ah, oh, this, that, the other thing." But they don't do it because I was trying to get so many different women to run for governor in 2018. <laughs> if you remember that one, but uh, I, th- I just think that would be a really strong ticket. Are if we- we're going to get Grandpa Joe, I really need a, a, a strong progressive woman. As the running mate. Totally agree. You know, no doubt about it. All right, before we get out the door, I want everybody uh, you, to tell folks about where they can hear you. I know they they, they love your dynamic voices. Uh, so, Heidi, tell folks where they can hear about your new podcast. Go ahead. Well, Murray and I um, are releasing Heartland Mamas, which is about women talking about issues in, in that part of Illinois where it starts to go from blue to red, mm-hmm. where it's a little purpley and then red, 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 red. And um, because the Democratic message does not get out there and, and the progressive message doesn't get out there. So it gives us an opportunity to, to make that discussion out there in the heartland. And hopefully it'll flow west of the Mississippi, too. And in addition to that, it gives a perspective from a woman, but also a mother. Mm-hmm. We were talking and we decided Elizabeth Warren's the perfect candidate. And I said, you know, really, we need a mother. We are a giant dysfunctional family, if you think about it as a country. So who's better to corral, if you've ever been to a family reunion or a holiday, you know it's the mom that's keeping everybody in line. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why we uh, we think that this voice is important. And a lot, even, even in Northern Illinois, there's a lot of pockets of deep red and people feel constrained with no outlet. When, when I saw in our newspaper that, because uh, I, I, I read a newspaper too, a couple of them every day. <laughs> <laughs> I love that paper. Yes. So, but when I read in the newspaper that the Tea Party had reformed in my county, wow. I wasn't surprised. But it's just outrageous that we leave rural Illinois out of the entire conversation. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, 
you know, you say the Republicans do it. I'm telling you the Democrats do it, too, because I, I've had it delivered to me, to my ear from, from Democratic leadership. You know, All they, right. they so write us off. Heartland Mamas. I wrote yeah. that down. All right. And Doris Davenport has the Doris Davenport Radio, two Doris Davenport Radio shows. <laughs> uh, and uh, so where can folks hear? Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to say with uh, WCP. Well, okay. You're fired. <laughs> uh, but you're also on another radio station. So Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock. I'm mm-hmm. on WCPT, mm-hmm. uh, 820. And on sat- Sunday evenings from 6 to 8, I'm on WPNA, which is 1490. And this Tuesday, I'll be filling in for Santita Jackson on the morning drive on WCPT. From- with Lady B. Yes, with right. Lady B. Lady B. There are some good people at that radio station. All right. Uh, Doris Devonport, thank you so much. It's thank always you. a blast talking to you. And Heidi and uh, uh, Marie, best of luck on your podcast. Thank you. Thank and I'm going to book you to come back. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, also want to thank, let's see, uh, who was, uh, Romana was here. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Romana was saying the Romana rundown. Uh, Leah did a great job. You're going to go see, we better let you get out. You're going to go see Ma? Yeah. You're going to go see Ma? She's going to go see Ma. Uh, report. Wait, four o'clock show? Uh, 4.30. 4.30, she, all right, we better let her get out. She's going to see Maj. She's going to report back to us on Tuesday. And so, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois. Doris, do you know down in Alton they call him White Lightning? White Lightning. Oh, they do not. Oh, my goodness. No, they just call me dinner. <laughs> Love what you're doing. <laughs> he did a great job. I think everybody agrees. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Oh, what? Hey, and remember, everybody, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Check out the Ben Jarofsky Show on Facebook and Twitter, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, J-O-R-A-V as a victory, S-K-Y, the Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram. Check out our bonus interviews, all right? We'll see you Tuesday.